This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Man, here we are, and I say we, I mean all of us. Mark Heim, Triple G's back after his much-needed R&R. Speaking of R&R, Lee's back. In fact, I'm the only one that's worked all week. Lee Shervanian's in the studios of WNSP. And fortunately for the rest of us, he brings SEC Spring Meeting news today. I can't I, I can't say he, he did the same yesterday, but you did today, sir. Did the best I Welcome could. Welcome back. Thank you very much. What happened to the hole in the table? <laughs> Uh, Nick patched it. He patched he it. He patched it, gave it a little paint job. Very, very nice some table. things up around here. Very nice table. Really is. Um, digs are nice. Uh, congratulations. You worked hard. Obviously, you must have worked very hard to take a day off yesterday. All right. Uh, we did finally get some news yesterday uh, from the SEC, whether you like it or not. In 2024, they stay with the eight games. No divisions. They'll release the schedule. They're going NFL-ish with the uh, primetime SEC network to release the schedule when Texas and Oklahoma come aboard. Mark, my understanding is, and I, they'll keep at least one rivalry in there, Auburn, Alabama, for instance. I don't know if they'll make yeah. an effort. Greg Sankey says they're going to try to keep rivalries. The way it's set up now, if they go 2024, 20, 2025, there'd be that rotating basis. So you'd have, you know, seven games, one year and then seven against another. So I don't know if this is set up to continue Auburn, Georgia, or let's say Alabama, Tennessee, or Texas, Texas A&M. Those, those were some of the big concerns. Obviously, it appears to me they're definitely staying with Alabama and Auburn. So whether you like it or not, they're staying with the eight games. They'll revisit, though. They'll revisit other proposals uh, down the road. Um, again, Mark, based on conversations i heard it it, it, it it look just appears to me that more sec schools are more self-serving than for what's better for the conference but that's the that's the tone i took uh do you think maybe because he held off on specifically saying those other rivalries may or may not it's not definite that they won't be played there's a good chance there's a chance it still will be played but do you think he's doing that just to just to promote this whole, because he made it a point to say, oh, the we're going to do a schedule release on SEC Network. Do you think that's the marketing side of Greg Sankey trying to? I do. I do. And, 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 and let's go even further. How about Mississippi, Mississippi State? Yeah. As far as rivalries go. And, uh, you know, I'll be watching. I'm curious how it's going to be because there's going to be a lot of controversy. There's going to be a lot of, well, this schedule is tougher or this schedule. Why didn't they give them this? I'm very anxious to see if they'll put Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU on the Alabama schedule so no divisions so that means at the end of the season the two teams at the top much like the Big 12 yeah. will play for the SEC championship game so if you're looking down the road maybe it's Alabama and Georgia have the best records or maybe it's somebody else that has the best record now added to this and I'm gonna and I'm gonna uh, project this from what I read this morning added to this is that the caveat okay you play your eight games plus one at least one team from a power five. I was looking at a story this morning. You could read into what you want. I, I'm not I'm not saying this. 
I have my own perception. Brett McMurphy released this today. The SEC going into 2023 has the lowest rate of playing Power 5 teams. The, t- the Big Ten, and they'll have 13 of 14 teams in the Big Ten to play at least 10, at least 10 Power 5 opponents. That's what this whole thing is based on, playing fi- uh, 10 Power 5 opponents. SEC is last. All right? Uh, the SEC has just two teams out of the 14 playing Power 5 opponents. Uh, I think South Carolina of all teams, believe it or not, and I think Florida is the other one. Uh, let's see. And then the Pac-12 has 10 out of 12. The ACC has 10 out of 15. And the Big 12, uh, they've got like 11 out of 14. So, obviously, Brett's reference is that the SEC plays a putrid schedule. That's his reference. You read into it what you want as far as playing Power 5 teams. But Greg Sankey was adamant and saying, well, and let's face it, they usually do anyway. And, and that could be like Vanderbilt playing Duke or in this coming year, uh, Auburn playing California. They're, they're a Power 5 team. Not a good one, but they're a Power 5 team. Sorry about it, but that's true. Um, we'll have our usual at the end of the season when we get into that final week uh, before the uh, Iron Bowl mark where uh, Alabama's got Middle Tennessee and Auburn's got, I think, New Mexico State. We'll have a lot to do with breaking that game down. All right, so uh, in in other news from SEC spring meetings now, your uh, rushing the field rule has been tweaked. Uh, Greg Byrne was a part of this, and I guess the big thing we should know about this is if this rule were in place last year, Alabama would have gotten a cool $1 million. They've changed the way the money's (laughs) being uh, targeted. Instead of the money going to the SEC, for instance, if uh, Tennessee rushes the field, as Mark just pointed out, against Alabama, the fine goes to Alabama. The now losing team. Yeah, they're starting They're starting fresh now. So I think the first offense, uh, they doubled it. The second is up around two fifty. The third is $500,000. But more, uh, even more importantly than this, I think, is the fact that they've – I don't know how this is going to work. I really don't. But apparently – Built into this is the fact that these schools have to get visiting teams and officials off the field. Now, go figure. How's that going to happen? I don't know. And that's not just for uh, football, but that's for basketball. So I think there's there's kind of a leeway there. The fans can rush the field, but not until visiting teams. And that would uh, that would avoid what happened with Jermaine Burton, right, last season? Sure. In the Tennessee game and anything that happens in basketball. I don't know what's going to happen if that doesn't occur, that the visiting team is not off the field or the officials are not off the field. And then what constitutes, like, is there a, is there a, an announcement on the field? All cleared to storm the field. Good. Right? Good. So so we're not fining, with the new rule, we're not fining teams for storming the field. We're fining teams for storming the field too early now. And we've doubled the fine. So it's gone from 50 to 100 on the first fence, as you pointed out, then from 100 to 250, and then from 250 to half a million. And we're not just giving it to some SEC scholarship fund. We're giving it to the for the team that just got the field stormed on. So, so I mean, if I'm Alabama... I'm bringing a bunch of I'm bringing a bunch of fans and putting them in orange and be like, yo, dude, st- run out on the field. Like what? So I mean, I get it. I mean, we don't. No one has an answer for this. So I I, I applaud the SEC for trying something new. Um, 
Greg Burnett suggesting this is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago, just as one of the possibilities of, of uh, sacrificing a, a, a home game, a road game. In other words, you get penalized instead of having a home game. They they dock in. You'd have a road game, but that never came up. Yeah, it's all about the money. And, and look, I applaud them, not so much from the money, but at least trying to get the teams off the field because that's really where the danger is. I mean, that that's really where the um, uh, the problem is. And, and I will say this, in sitting in with some of the coaches, they talked about some of the crazy things that happened uh, when they were part of it, seeing people with broken legs and things yeah. like that. And if, you know, and and it can get serious. Now, luckily, last year we didn't hear too many stories. We heard the Burton story. I don't know if we heard any other stories of incidences between rushing fans and so forth. But um, it's a very serious issue. It happens not only in the United States, but you brought up soccer yesterday. It happens in a lot of soccer matches uh, over and uh, across the pond in Europe and things like that. But Mark, I want to get back to the eight-game schedule. And, again, I, I can only go on, on talks I heard because I remember Eli Drinkowitz said if he was the first uh, coach to talk to us, and he said, look, I want to do what's best for the conference. It's not about Missouri. It's what's best for the conference. And yet these teams that and, – and you brought this out – these teams that were against the nine game – Basically, I believe it's just to get bowl eligible, to make sure they get their six wins. And, and, I, and I feel bad about that because they're not looking at the overall picture for the SEC. They're just looking at their own little team. But I think most people – I think most players, coaches, schools, administrations, whatever, I think everybody is selfish. They all say they're not, but they're all looking out. And that's not just in the SEC. That's across the country. It's like – have you ever noticed, like, coaches will always say – um. That guy's cheating. That program's cheating. We're not doing it. We're doing it the right way, right? Everybody accuses somebody else of cheating, but all claim they're doing it the right way. It's kind of the same. It, it, it's it, it, It's got that same feel. We want what's best for the SEC. Uh, let's go to eight. Uh, that way we can get bowl eligible. Let's go to eight. Uh, that, that, that way we... I mean, they're all, they're all have their, be their self-interest as a priority. And I don't blame people for that. Uh, it's just human nature. I, I just think that's kind of the way it is. I think there are very few people. It, it's like we talked about with Nick Saban. They're all for the betterment of the conference as long as it aligns with their best interest. You realize that a lot of the – I say a lot – that many of these administrators who were voting or, or who are betterment for their own program, they wouldn't even be around two or three years. Most of them, yeah. a lot of them get fired. They move on to other jobs. I'm going to tell you, I'm very surprised Greg didn't get this done. I really am. Over the years, you know, he impresses me as, well, he's considered the most powerful commissioner. And I, I know when we get Paul Feinbaum on, he, he talked to the commissioner one-on-one, uh, -on -one, so we can ask him about this. But I really thought he would get it done. I, I was hoping he would. I, I, I just wanted him to be able to convince the teams, the programs, the administrators, it's best for the conference. I And and. I believed it, and now in reading stories that Sankey really wanted this nine-game schedule. Yeah, I feel like, you know how there's some people wherever you work, you guys are on your way to work now, driving down the road. There's just sometimes where you just can't get anything done unless you know you're up against the very last deadline. Like, it's just hard to work in advance for a lot of people. You got to be under the gun. You, you got to have a deadline. I feel like the SEC is in that same boat. Like, this shouldn't be this complicated right are we talking about eight or nine 
we got some time to think about it, so we just kind of kick the can down the road a little bit. We tweak it here. We'll come back to it. It's like you start having meetings about meetings, right? We have let's let's meet today, folks. Well, I tell you what we're gonna do. Let's plan on meeting again next week and following up on absolutely nothing we've done in the last. 60 minutes of this meeting deal and and that's kind of like i mean I, you do it all the time i'm going to sum up my feelings this way if you are if you're targeted you're you're supposed to be the best play the best and that's where i think they failed so we'll see down the road maybe in 2025 they'll go to nine games uh i'm of course very anxious to see, see how the schedule plays out june 14th i think it's a i, I do give them a pr nod on this one doing what the nfl does have a big show Release your schedule. Obviously, it'll be big in the SEC or, let's say, people watching to see who they're going to be playing in 2024. Uh, we'll see how much concentration there is on rivalries. And we'll see if, uh, in fact, uh, some teams have a tougher schedule than others. All right. So here's what we're doing. We're going to go a little long here for the next three minutes. We're going to keep talking uh, because, you know, we missed you and we're just glad to see you. Uh, and that's code for we're having some technical. Well, maybe next year they can uh, zoom me in. <laughs> well, can we do that or skip? What is it, Skype? Is it called Skype? Uh, I've been on that. Skype is so how about like that? yesterday. That, so instead of just teaching me how to record now, maybe we can. Uh, I I can actually come and you can zoom me in. Huh? Slow down, big guy. Zoom. Slow down. Lot lot lot. Uh, one step at a time. Uh, in other news, uh, the NBA Finals <laughs> yesterday. Um, I watched a half of the game, and then I never really thought Miami would get back. Hey, did you see where Miami set a record for fewest free throws ever oh, yeah. in a playoff game? They were two for two. Yeah. Think about that. It may come up as a trivia question later on for Chick-fil-A. So, uh, look, there was no doubt in my mind Denver was going to win that game watching. I watched most of it. With that said, Miami was atrocious from behind the arc. Like, really, really bad. And they only lost by about nine. They got it to about six and to nine a couple of times. Like, they were... is it, The way da uh, Denver was playing, you would have thought they were up by 30. And, and Miami just kind of kept chipping away. Now, I think the, the previous series will ultimately wind up taking its toll on them. Jimmy Butler was MIA. And I just think... Uh, I think uh, clearly Denver's going to win, but difference was at the free throw line. You win by 11, 104-93. You hit 16 free throws. Miami hit two. Yeah. I mean, there are other aspects. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that – but, I mean, it, when you're really looking for some of the reasons. Now, you mentioned how Miami was atrocious from the three-point line. Granted, but Denver was worse. Tell you what, though, man, they moved the ball so well, and Jokic was just—you know—the most impressive p play he had was he drew a double team on the baseline on the block. He turned to the baseline on the double team, skipped it across the defense because they brought that—they brought the double team from all the way across the court because they were trying to confuse him. He hit a wide open Murray—I think it was Murray—who knocked down a three. But it was—it's the—it's that kind of thing. That really makes it so difficult. He always finds the open guy. He had like six assists after the first quarter. Well, it helps when you have Jamal Murray scoring baskets True. like he did get assists, as, as you know about assists to a player who's hot. Also, uh, Jokic became only the second player in the last 25 years to have 10 assists by halftime. LeBron James was the other one. By the way, did you 
see any of those LeBron James taco commercials last night? I yeah. Got a, I got a huge fill. I was getting hungry. I don't know about you, but every five minutes he's coming on there uh, pushing tacos. Yeah. Well, good for him. Well, he's not doing anything else no, right now. No, he isn't, though. Too soon, too soon. No, he's not playing, but he's certainly visible. All right. Uh, so what do we got here? Coming up, uh, Nick Carparelli, he's the executive director of the Bulls, right? So a lot of the, a lot of the football schedule is out now. Uh, so we'll talk to Nick coming up at 6.30, I think. Uh, Paul Feinbaum will join us at 7 o'clock on SEC Spring Meetings. Uh, we'll visit with Dan Jennings at 7.30. John Ricchetti will do his middle like uh, golf report coming up at 7.50. Trey Wallace was in, in Destin. Uh, we'll talk to him uh, about uh, SEC Spring Meetings at 8 o'clock. Uh, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, set for 8.30. And uh, some Chick-fil-A for you guys. Uh, are we good to go here, Nick? Or are we still? We're just gonna keep rolling. We're just gonna keep rolling here. On our, you know what it is? Is we got so much to talk about now. Another thing that came out yesterday See? with the NBA, a couple of things. Uh, the Celtics are bringing back uh, Missoula. I was a little surprised at that. I thought because of the the way things transpired, they might go after a name coach. But uh, Stevens says they're sticking with him. So kudos to him. But more interesting is the fact that a Adam Silver had his uh, press conference prior. He announced that he's already made a decision on Jay Morant, but he's not going to announce it until after <laughs> after the NBA Finals. Dude's in a lot of hot water. That's yeah, all I'm he, saying. But, like, I wonder if Morant knows what it is now. I mean, because he, he hears – let's say he hears this. He can say, well – can somebody tell me? Do I have to wait? It's like when you go to a, I, I guess, to a doctor, and you, or like you go for blood work, and we got some news. We need you to come in. Right. When you got some blood work, and you want to know what it is, oh, well, we'll tell you in about another month or so. Well, the, I think it's it's worse than that. It's like I think he's sitting there going. What do they know and what don't they know? Like, how much do they actually know? Well, Adam Silver says they got a hold of some other video too. Right now, on paper, it doesn't look good. Uh, the league, as you know, had already suspended him once for gun waving. So this, I don't think this is going to go down well. But we'll see because he says I'm not going to announce it until after the NBA Finals. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. He does it. He's going to wait till after the NBA Finals because he doesn't want to take away from the games. But by announcing that he has information that he's not going to release – doesn't that accomplish the same thing as you would had you announced the news? I think there's a very significant suspension coming. I do, too. A very significant I really, suspension. I, I, I agree with you. I, I read into this that uh, this could be very, very serious because, again, I go back to a time period in the NBA where the NBA had this gangster image, and David Stern tried to clean that up and was able to do that with the help of people like uh, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and players like that. He does not want that image. By the way, uh, on a lighter note, can, I love light. can you spell, I don't know how to even say the word, let alone spell it, passamophile? Or can you use it? In a, can you use it in a sentence? I had never heard of the word before, but this eighth grader from Largo, Dev Shaw, won the 2023 Scripps National Spelling Bee by spelling that word, which I've never seen before, and he wins fifty thousand dollars. So what was the uh, what was the word? The word is PSA. I love PSAs. PSA. Oh, I got it. You got it. M M O P H. A noun that is used to describe animals and plants that prefer to live in sandy oil environments. Where do they come up with words like this? And I know you don't have the answer. Bro, like, I'm all for spelling bee, but you got to be able to pronounce the word. <laughs> 
you know, back in grammar school, we had this spelling bee whiz. We used to have these uh, impromptu spelling bees, and this girl, Lynn Haig was her name. She used to win them all, every friggin' one. One time, I actually won a spelling bee. I was so excited. You showed her, Lee I, I won a spelling bee. I, like, celebrated. Well, back in those days, we didn't do fist bumps or anything like that. Did <laughs> we, chest bumps ring no, up and did the chest bumps? I, I think I was only, like, fourth or fifth grader. What was the word? Oh, come on. Now. I can't even remember the, the day it happened or what year I was in. Did you ever win a spelling bee? I mean, a class. No, a class I, spelling got, bee. I, got a, I got pretty close. No, I probably didn't even get very close. I remember doing. But one time, one time I beat her. Maybe she was out that week. Did you talk, maybe, maybe she was homesick. Did you or talk? Had, uh, did you talk cash? smack? No, we didn't. I didn't. What was know her what, name? I think her name was Lynn Haig. All right, so she guys, was brilliant. What would have been some of the great smack talk? What? What could? How could Lee have trash talk? What's her name? Lynn. 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 How could? How could Lee have trash talked Lynn? Like, what would have been some of the great lines? But she won almost all of them. So that's I, I why had, you trash talk. But I mean, I had no right to trash talk anybody. Plus, there was no such word as trash talk in those days. This was what the the fi- the sixties, I guess. We need to get Lynn. No, on the, we need to get Lynn 50s. on the air. This was the nineteen fifties. Need to ask her how life has changed. Changes. How her how her life could have been different. If she wouldn't have been upset, this is a thirty for it thirty. Was, it was an upset, but again, imagine. I don't, even, I don't even remember if she was even in it. Maybe she took the spelling bee off, or maybe she had won so many, or maybe she didn't even report. What if I told you, Lynn, the prominent winner of the spelling bee back in the sixties, lost to a very little known, an unwise man by the name of Lee Shervanian? How would the course of history changed had Lynn won? This would have been the next like ESPN's thirty for thirty. This would have been like ULM beating Alabama in football. This would have been spelling bee sting. This See what I did there? Bee sting. They hurt. <laughs> boy, do they hurt! I haven't had one this year yet, but boy, they, you would have to bring that up. Oh, we do want to thank uh, some of our sponsors uh, for coverage this week, all week long. Dr. Christopher Mullenix, uh, Ward International Trucks, LNS Air Conditioning, uh, Rich's Car Wash, Dixie Supply. By the way, when we get to the uh, bowl. Talk bowls, they're all out. Yeah. Come up with your new name. Did you see we have a Pop-Tart bowl this Ooh, year? Ooh, love Pop-Tart. Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts? Yeah. Yeah, but the uh, what's the one that we don't have? The uh, Cheez-Its? No more Cheez-Its? No more Cheez-Its. But a Pop-Tart bowl. We have a Pop-Tart bowl this year. You know, Pop-Tarts are great breakfast food. They're great snack. What's your favorite? They're, they're the best. Uh, strawberry? Op- no. Straw- to me, strawberry are the best flavor that you don't necessarily have to heat up. Also, when you go to a vending machine, Pop-Tarts are generally your best bang for your buck. That I learned at a, at a young age. If you're if you you know you're hungry, you only got a, a dollar to throw in the vending machine, Pop-Tarts, where it's at. Now, I'm partial to chocolate. The strawberry is good. If you want to get crazy now, the, uh, the cinnamon or the brown sugar or whatever, that's not bad either. You don't seem like a Pop-Tart guy, though. I'm not. <laughs> You guessed that correctly. Uh, Pop-Tart Bowl, Orlando, Florida, December 28th. But we, we've got away from all the Tostitos and the, the, the Cheez-Its and so forth. We still have my favorite, Tony the Tiger. I love me some Frosted Flakes. Yeah, that's going to be And you it. haven't lived till you had the chocolate Frosted Flakes. We've had uh, – well, I guess I haven't lived yet because I have never had that. Uh, we'll have to do it right here on Tony, the show. Tony the Tiger, El Paso, that's the Sun Bowl, the previous Sun Bowl. I believe, and I'm going to ask our guest at 630 – 
I don't think they added any bowls this year, but I don't think they subtracted any either. So that's my going back to our original statement. Why, if you're in the SEC and you're supposed to be the toughest conference, you're worried about getting six wins. Everybody gets six wins practically. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember this year. What did we have? Like 10 SEC schools. That's why they don't want to go to nine games because they're afraid they may not get to six games. Six wins. I'm sorry. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about some bowls. You guys can continue in the app at WNSP.com. Um We're all back together in the studios of WNSP. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Triple G. Are we ready to talk about the uh, bowls? They're all out now. The, the schedule for all the bowl games are out. I didn't count them, uh, and I'm going to let our next guest help me out, uh, Nick Caparelli, Executive Director of the Bowls. Nick, thank you for joining us. Good morning. How are you today? I'm great. Happy to be with you guys. Thank you so much. I got to meet Nick at the uh, SEC party, and uh, that I'm, I'm glad I did because it remembered. Hey, look, with the bowls coming out. Nick, are you based up in Rhode Island? Because I saw your number's a Rhode Island number. Yeah, no, I, I worked for the Big East Conference for 12 years, and that was our headquarters up in Providence, Rhode Island. So I still, still have that number. I was the deputy commissioner for football. So I uh, had a very similar job then to what Mark Womack now does for the SEC. Uh, every conference has that position, but uh, nope, just uh, an old cell number. Uh, I'm based out of uh, my, I work out of my home in Maryland, uh, overseeing all the bowl games. Really makes no sense for us to have a home office since bowl games are held in uh, 43 markets across the country, as you know. So, so that's where I'm set up. Yeah, it'd be impossible for you to go to every bowl game, especially when they have six on one day. But let me ask you this. Are there any new additions this year, or do they have the same number of bowl games as they had last year? And I think, wasn't the number right around 43? Yes, that's you're, you're exactly right. 43 this year, 43 last year. You know, t- uh, one of them's uh, the championship game. Technically, that's a bowl game. Uh, and uh, and one is the celebration bowl, which is uh, matched to uh, HBCU institutions, so it's not a uh, a traditional FBS uh, matchup, so so it's really 41 traditional bowl games uh, for 82 teams to participate. Were there, let's say, uh, communities vying for new bowl games, and or was there the possibility of knocking some off because of the difficulty sometimes of getting teams with a six and six record? 
Yeah, you know, there's always um, there's always um, communities that are looking to start bowl games. You know, but it's a uh, you know bowl system has always been a uh, market driven system. No one's forcing um, anyone to host a bowl game. No one's forcing uh, schools to play in bowl games. So market kind of dictates how many there are. Right now, I think 41 for 82 teams. We're we're, we're hovering right at the right number. You know, two years ago we had one too many teams. Last year we had one team not enough. So I think we're we're at the right number. It's it's obviously impossible to predict how many bowl eligible teams there's going to be at, at the beginning of the season to predict how many there's going to be at the end. Um, and and we've had lengthy conversations with the with the ten conference uh, commissioners and their their deputy commissioners on what they want that bowl eligibility threshold to be. And it's it's uh, unanimous, and they're very adamant about the fact that they want to keep it at six and six. So. Uh, all that being said, I think we're we're at the right number of bowls right now. Do bowls get the opportunity to request days they want to be on or when they can stage them, or is this all out of TV and the bowl committees in their respective communities are told this is when you're going on and, and that's the way it's going to be? Or do 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 they? Is there a back and forth on this? There's definitely a little back and forth, as you know. There there's some games that have been around. You know, you know, 75, 100 years, you know, and, and those games, you know, they, they kind of have, they get a little preferential treatment in terms of their dates. Uh, we know the Rose Bowl is at the high end of that. You know, that, that New Year's Day date is sacred to them. Uh, other other games are, are always going to be around New Year's, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, uh, late in the December calendar, where some of the newer games, especially the ones that ESPN events owns and operates, a lot of flexibility in when those games get played. And uh, as you said, yes, TV, uh, specifically ESPN, plays a big role uh, in how to fit in those those games. You know, with with 43 to, games to program in a three-week period, it's it's a challenge finding TV windows for all of them. Uh, but ESPN does a really good job at that. Uh, and as a result, you know, we have uh, just a smorgasbord of college football games starting on on uh, Saturday, December 16th this year. And the bowl game in Mobile scheduled for uh, December 23rd, two days before Christmas. That's on a Saturday. Nick Caparelli is the executive director of Bulls. Nick, putting uh, down the road, when we go to 12 teams in the college football format, how is that going to affect bowl games? Because some of those championship-type games will be on the same day as when the bowl games start. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly there'll be a, an adjustment, but I don't think it'll be a major impact. You know, we'll just, you know, the games will obviously have to be scheduled around those games, uh, but it'll be really, really important that there's bowl games scheduled around the playoff games for the, for number one, for the network to use as promotional programming to lead into those games. Um, and for the fans, you know, so they don't have this void in between the different rounds of the playoffs. I mean, let's, let's face it, there are, 130 FBS institutions, uh, most of them are not going to realistically uh, expect to be in the playoffs every year, right? So those programs need something to, to play for. Some programs are newer, emerging programs in that landscape. Others are, are programs that are trying to rebuild. Um, and you need stepping stones along the way to get there, and you need uh, great experiences for those student-athletes. So, um the CFP is really important. I mean, I'm a college football fan. I'm excited about it. Uh, but the rest of bowl season is, is equally important to, to a greater number of institutions and a greater number of student-athletes. So it's really the combination of bowl season and the CFP, which makes college football's postseason so, so unique and so great.
The CFP, when they go to 12 teams, the first round, the first four games, I believe, will be on campus. Was there an effort to incorporate those first four games in any of these bowl games? Yes, there, there was. Uh, and I'm not bashful. I'm still not bashful to say that I think uh, those opening round games should be in bowl games. And it'll be interesting to see how those play out uh, the next couple of years. I think a lot of campus venues are, are, are not equipped to host games in, in, in December. Um, in fact, last, this past season, the weekend that those games would have been played was, was that really um, disastrous uh, weather situation we had across the country where with, uh, with snow and, and, and sub-freezing temperatures. And, um, you know, if that were to happen, uh, and then some of these communities also, you know, are, don't have the hotel space uh, to be able to plan uh, an event like that and a two-week turnaround. You know, bowl games have been hosting neutral site events at a very high level for a long time. So we continue to think that those would be the best places, the most competitively fair environments for college football to host their entire playoff. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens these first two years. And, um, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not sure that they might not revisit that decision down the road. Nick, uh, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, we don't have the Cheez-Its Bowl anymore. I guess they've bowed out. But we do have a Pop-Tart for the first time. What's your favorite, uh, I guess, when you talk about a bowl game? You know, we used to talk about the Tostitos Bowl. Do you have a favorite uh, over the years? A favorite bowl game or a favorite title sponsor? Title sponsor. Boy, there's, there's been so many unique ones. I, I don't know if I have a favorite. I mean, the... You know, you, you go back to the Independence Bowl. I think when the it was the Poulin Weed Eater Independence Bowl, that was the first, it was not the first title sponsor of a bowl game, but it was the first one that was a little bit quirky, you know, that, that people kind of uh, talked about. You know, I don't know. It, it's, um, they're, they're, the title sponsor of bowl games is certainly unique. You see all types of brands. You see, you know, you see those brands that are national brands that everybody knows about, Allstate, uh, Capital One, et cetera. But then you see some of these brands that are trying to make a name for themselves. I think bowl games have established themselves as a, as a great way to, uh, for those, those types of brands to really capture people's attentions. And, uh, and bowl games have also shown a willingness to be a little bit creative when it comes to marketing, you know, pouring mayonnaise on somebody's head, you know, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. You know, I don't know if that's an effective technique, but people sure are paying attention and, uh, and eyeballs, uh, eyeballs are important to these companies. Not including the bowl games that lead up to the national championship game, but if you could pick one game to go to, uh, would it be Bahamas, Boca Raton, or, or what? Uh, that's a tough question. Uh, you said I can't go to all of them, even though I want to. Uh, I've been to 30 unique bowl games in my life. I've, I'm approaching 150 total bowl games that I've been to. Uh, the one I've probably been to the most is the Pinstripe Bowl in New York. Number one, I'm a Northeast guy. I'm a big Yankee fan. And in my days at the Big East, I started the Pinstripe Bowl with the Yankees. And they treat me really well. So, any chance I have to go to New York City and to go to Yankee Stadium, I take advantage of that. Wait a minute. So you you brave the cold weather at Yankee Stadium for a chance, maybe go to the Bahamas Bowl or any of those warm weather climates? Hey, to be in Yankee Stadium, to walk out of Yankee Stadium, to have one of the best Italian meals you can get anywhere in the world, and then a, and then a, a slice of pizza later at night. Yeah, I'm doing that. 
<laughs> I kind of like where he says that. I ain't gonna lie. Well, his tummy, the tummy then speaks for you. Yeah, that's if you thought out, uh, Nick. <laughs> Having spent many, you know, many games at Yankee Stadium. Of course, that's during the summer. I've never really. Well, actually, I have been to Yankee Stadium when they used to host the Giant football team in that cold weather. So, I'm not sure I'd agree with you on that. I, I to me, I'd love to go to the Bahamas Bowl. That sounds like a really neat place to go. But I'm not going. No offense. No offense. But I'm not going to the Bahamas to go watch football. I'm going to the Bahamas. I'm going to the Bahamas. That's right. That's right. That's so I could do that. But but like you said, fortunately in my role, I can go to the Bahamas Bowl and the Pinstrip Bowl and a bunch of bowls in between. There you go. So um so that's my plan. Nick, many thanks. We'll be in touch as we get closer right. to the bowl games. I really appreciate you coming aboard. It was great meeting you and uh, uh good luck with the bowls. All right. Thanks guys. Take care. All right, uh, quickly want to tell you about uh, our guy Aiden Marks over Medicare Insurance Advisors. Been kind of telling you what Medicare Insurance Advisors is, right? It's a, it's a community resource for the senior market, right? So um, th they kind of want to be different from any other agency in that market in that they're providing a customer experience uh, for both the client and the community, right? It's, it's um, centered around providing education and long-term support. So when we talk about Medicare, we're not just talking about Medicare insurance advisors giving uh, just a one-time enrollment meeting. It's about taking you through the entire process step-by-step, step, and they're with you um, the whole way. Aiden Marks, Medicare insurance advisors, he's the guy you need to talk to. He's been in the Medicare business for 13 years. He's an independent guy, works with multiple carriers, and he's helped hundreds just like you. Uh, he, there's no fee for his services, uh, and this is why it's important. There's so many, so much information out there right now, one. And two, everybody's experience and situation is going to be unique to themselves and different. So if you're 65, if you're within a year of retirement, you really need to call Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors. His number is 463-0031, 463-0031, or you can go see him at his office uh, in Daphne on Highway 98 across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. Again, Aiden Marks, Medicare Insurance Advisors. Give him a call. We come back. Uh, we'll talk to you guys. Paul Feinbaum at 7 o'clock. A lot of news on the SEC spring meetings. Spelling bee was done. We, we, quite honestly, guys, we'd quiz you. Maybe we'd throw some Chick-fil-A out there if you could spell some of these words these kids were uh, spelling. The problem is we can't pronounce the words. We don't, we, we wouldn't know how to even communicate those words to you on the air so that you could spell them. That's kind of where we are. Also, there's a Pop-Tart bowl. What's your favorite Pop-Tart flavor? And oh yeah, game one of the NBA Finals. There's a lot going on. Good news is we got more than two hours to discuss it all. Right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hello, this is artist Daniel A. Moore. You are listening to WNSP Sports Radio. About Cheney, just uh, you know, uh, guys that are humble and hungry. You know, guys that guys that are excited about the opportunity. Uh, a little older. Um, you know, I was a Division II head coach for nine years, and I. I Six forty-nine. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee, right here on the Sports Station WNSP and WNSP.com. 
I think uh, I know that voice. Yeah, that was Bruce Pearl. Uh, we had a chance to uh, catch up to him. He was uh, referencing they they bringing in a uh, player from uh, Alabama Huntsville, and he was mentioning the fact that back when he got into Alabama Huntsville, he was like six two, and now he's coming out as a transfer at six <laughs> seven. He's going to be the wing player. But I wanted to uh, get to that the story about Auburn. So their first game, Mark, November seventh, is going to be in South Dakota, Sioux City against Baylor. It's called something like the Sanford Pentagon or something like that. They've hosted other big games too. So their first game this coming season against Baylor, pretty good opponent up there in uh, Sioux City, South Dakota. Uh, Many sponsors this week. Really appreciate them all coming aboard to uh, help us bring you SEC uh, Media Days. And among them, Christopher Mullenix, Dr. Christopher Mullenix. Dr. Mullenix is on the line with us right now. Good morning, sir. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you on with us. I appreciate you coming aboard this week as one of our sponsors for spring meetings. Let me ask you about, uh, well, in general, uh, appointments for your office. Uh, do you need a reference? Do you need, uh, can people just get on the line, the number we give, and call up and come in and see you if they've got any issues with oral or, or jaw surgery? Absolutely. Everyone's welcome, Lee. No referral needed. Of course, a lot of our patients are referred, and we, we do also welcome and honor referrals from dentists and doctors and, and local hospitals. But no patient needs a referral. You just need a need and a desire to have the best uh, oral surgery health care on the Gulf Coast. You know, we've talked a lot about what you office do. This is totally different. Do you do tonsils? I'm sorry, Lee, that broke up. Can you ask me that Yeah, again? I was just curious. Do you do tonsils? Yeah, I do not do tonsils. No, I have several really good ENT colleagues that we refer those to. I, I'm aware of the procedure. I've seen it done. I've assisted in it, but I do not do tonsils. What is the most intense oral surgery that you have to cope with? You know, that, that I do or that I've done in the past would be a lot of the reconstructive surgeries. Those are pretty big cases. They involve a lot of planning, a lot of collaboration typically with other healthcare providers such as a dentist, a orthodontist, plastic surgeon. And those can be very involved and require multiple stages. Uh, Dr. Aaron Wallander now does the bulk of those, including reconstructive surgery on infants and young children. So those are pretty involved, pretty rewarding, uh, but those can be very intense. Some of the most intense cases, I think, in, in oral surgery in general or the head and neck uh, cancer patients that have to have very large resections and reconstructions. And they have come a long way with technology and how they can do immediate reconstruction in most of these cases. But those can sometimes be an 8- to 10-hour case, even in the best of hands. So uh, it can get pretty involved. You know, the bulk of what we do at Mobile Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery is, is office-based procedures, and those are typically uh, less involved. 715 downtown or boulevard chris how can our listeners uh, reach your office well the easiest way is to pick up the phone answer 24 7 251 or on the web at mobile oral have a wonderful day and a great weekend i really appreciate it thank you so much thanks guys have a great weekend and i did want to mention t bachelor and son heating and air conditioning Chick-fil-A has been a sponsor this week, Spa and Tub Manufacturers. All right, Lee, so we were talking about the spelling bee. There's somebody in the app that uh, is challenged, and we were talking about how we can't pronounce it. Somebody in the app uh, wants to challenge you to say toy boats three times fast as you can. 
Toy boats, toy boats, toy boats. Boom! Nailed it. What? What's hard about that? Apparently, it's difficult. But according to this, uh, according believe to believe me, I have my problems with a lot of them. But <laughs> you nailed it. Do wow. I get? What do I get? Chick-fil-A. Uh, you give yourself a Chick-fil-A. I'm gonna there, give myself Lee. a get Chick-fil-A. Get you a little fruit cup or something from so Chick-fil-A. I want to ask Nick because I went to the Nick uh, Wiggins School of Broadcasting. How did I do? Um. What do you think? Do I need more lessons? Did I do okay? Was the audio okay? What did uh, what, using my iPhone instead of a tape recorder? I like to grade my students on how much they've improved uh, from point A to point B. Uh, being that we don't have a rest of a class to compare you to, I'm going to give you an A. You know, it, on the curve. <laughs> back when, when I was, I guess I was a sophomore in college. And I, back then, you didn't have all this technology, so when you went for an elective, you had to go from desk to desk to right. desk. That's how, ba- that's how old it was. So I, all my electives were gone. There weren't any left. I mean, so I went to the, this one guy, this guy, he was, he was in charge of drama, you know, the drama class. And he called me over and said, you want to take drama? I said, heck no. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be among them. He, he said, I love that emotion. So, so – he, he talked me into it, and for the very reason that Nick said, he said, well, you kind of start at the bottom, so you have no else to go but up. So I wound up getting a B in the course. A B? Yeah, because, like, to be or not to be, <laughs> as I did my Shakespeare and some of that other junk. Uh, not, not, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. Some of the other stuff I was— The other junk. Uh, stuff I had to do on stage. But, no, I, I really—I took the course. It was the only course I took in drama— I do. I tell you what I do have because of it, a lot of admiration for the people who do that because those in the class not only had to come to class, but they had to work midnight shifts to do staging, lighting for plays that were going on. Obviously, I didn't because I wasn't involved in any of that. But, you know, a lot of it would miss class the next day, and for that very reason, they were out all night uh, getting the whatever it needed, the props, the stage, and the basically dealing with the uh, plays that were going on me i was just a student and like nick said i started at the bottom so for those that are missing a little context lee usually takes this 50 pound tape recorder uh to get audio uh but he realized it was informed that his iphone does indeed record audio and so he needed a crash course from professor wiggins in there about how to to pull off such a technological feat. And as you heard throughout the course of our SEC spring meetings coverage, the audio was crisp. Crisp. What's next, Nick? What do I I learn next? May I jump in on this? I think what would be great is if you edited your own audio and sent Mm. small snippets back instead of 15 or 23-minute files. Now we're talking. Yeah, but then he'd miss the whole flavor of the interview. I think he'd be willing to do that. <laughs> I, I think teachers are willing to sacrifice so that you can learn more tricks so of the trade. So I'm going to ask the next question. You can do that on an iPhone? <laughs> yeah, can yeah. you? Can you? Yeah. You can. You can. All right. Well, People baby can. steps. Baby steps. You know that video I did on uh, oh, that I'm basketball? Not, don't even compare That was all you. done on an iPhone. I'm just, I'm not, it's not about you and me. It's about what you can do on an iPhone. The afternoon, so yes. the afternoon or crew smartphone. was trying to compare me technology-wise to Nick Saban. I think he's got the edge on me. I'm not so sure. 
I'm not so sure. He didn't know how to turn it. Well, you don't know how to turn off your phone when it rings. I'm not sure I know how to turn it off either. But I bet you he would know how to record a, a conversation or an interview. Well, Nick, Nick gives this impression that, you know, he's behind the times like me. But when you deal with recruits and you have to text them all the time, I mean, he must be doing some of that. He's got to be doing it. Nah, I bet you he I th- I th- he'd be like, here, Johnny just texted. Do something about this or whatever. Wiggins just texted again. Make sure he t- – tell him he played well. Yeah. Do you remember – you know, we talked about the phone call he got during the talk he had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it pushed a button with me. Do you remember back when when this these guys in Tennessee – called him up, and it became such a funny story. We ran it a number of times, asking him about a fake recruit, a kicker. You don't remember that. I don't. Darn. My memory's not as sharp as yours. Well, it just came to pass because I often wondered where they got his cell phone number from. And they called him up on the air, and they were asking him about, are you recruiting this kicker? And they made up the kicker's name. And it became a very funny bit, and he was really the subject of it, although I don't know if he knew that at the time. Hmm. All right. Lee's full of stuff today. You you just missed being in the studios, sitting here in nice new table. Don't spill anything on there, Lee. Yeah, you see, I got my paper towel early, so I wouldn't spill anything. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. I'll, we'll get the paper towels out of anything. I don't want any stickiness on this. Pause. A little yeah. early. I got a sticky story for you. Oh, no. Yes. Now I'm nauseated. Sticky story. I got a sticky story Damn. coming up. Oh, boy. Pause, pause, pause. And Paul Feinbaum. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. Boys and girls, welcome back in. Hour number two. Thanks for hanging with us. The opening kickoff. Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, Triple G. We're in the studios of WNSP. And again, thanks to sponsors for our coverage at the uh, SEC uh, spring meetings like Dixie Supply, your metal roofing headquarters, the Keesler Federal Credit Union, and the Cart Doctor and Urology Associates. Headline stories, SEC stays with eight games at least through 2024, no divisions. They also increase fines for fans storming the field or the court. To that, we go to uh, Paul Feinbaum, who obviously was broadcasting and telecasting down there for ESPN and the SEC Network. Paul, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Lee. Always great. Uh, Mark, it's always great to see Lee on the beach. I mean, you got to see this guy with a couple of Mai Tais and, a, and, a, and, and you know, the, the sunglasses, uh, the hat. I mean, he, he really did was uh, down there. It was Cosmopolitan's this he, week. You know, he was downplaying saying he wasn't drinking or partying or in – well, he was in the oh, hot tub. Goodness. But, uh, but yeah, he, I, I just couldn't get – I couldn't pull any information, good, fun information out of him. He was all work well, all the time. You should have seen him at 1.30 in the morning uh, Wednesday, uh, last man standing doing Margaritaville on the beach. Yeah, and it was crazy. He walked in the day before he left for Pensacola, I mean for Destin, and, and I'm like, what are all those dollar bills for, Lee? And then he wouldn't answer me, but clearly you know more than I do at this point. 
Yeah, I, I ran into his wife, and she said, you seen Lee? I said, I, I think he's out having breakfast. <laughs> yeah. The truth of it is, this is not uh, – This is a, Barbara, when we went to the party, was looking for Paul. She was so – she couldn't find him. She yeah. said – she thought she saw him. She said, Lee – Go find Paul. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not here. I'm not going to stalk him. Yeah. I said if we run into him, we do. But Lee, hey, Paul, Lee playing matchmaker, yeah. apparently, Paul. Hey, Paul, uh, I believe yeah. there's going to be a late-breaking story that you are going to be right now uh, in charge of the Pop-Tart Bowl, that you're going to be the chief spokesperson. Yeah, I, I think that's a good. I mean, you know, you may, you know, may. I mean, I mean, you can you can grab a couple of pop tarts on the run. You can't grab a a, a jar of, of uh, mayo's uh, mayonnaise or whatever the name of that company is. And so I think that was cool. Uh, everybody remembers pop tarts. I guess they still eat them. Absolutely. By the way, before we get all to, I I, I want to call you out on something. All this news breaking we need to get to, but we've been asking for months, maybe even years. I don't know. It all blends together. But I find out through another through another news agency, Jason Biggs, after after weeks and weeks of speculation, <laughs> Jason Biggs. Yes. Uh, so. I don't want to be like one of these administrators and say, let's go back to the beginning, but everybody remembers the sitcom that came out a couple of years right. ago. It was in development. And three, uh, let's see, two years ago, I've, I've lost track of when it was, uh, two and a half years ago now, uh, or three years ago, ABC bought the uh, the rights to it, which means they can develop it into a pilot. And they chose Jason Biggs from American Pie Trilogy yeah. uh, from about 20-some-odd years ago to play me. Um, and that was the only person they picked, uh, but he, he wanted it. Uh, he had just uh, lost the series. And it was so weird doing uh, doing Zoom calls with him, Mark, uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, he was playing me at forty, not at right, uh, right. eighty nine. Um, <laughs> and so it was really funny to, to look into him. But uh, I had to I had to just just binge all the American Pie movies on a weekend before I met with him for the first time. Did, it was a, I would have rather been him. 25 years ago. Yeah, I just uh, – one follow-up and then we can go. I just didn't know if you had any similar pie experiences that Jason Biggs did. Is that why he got the role, because you guys were so similar? Yeah, we were, I mean, we were both fairly nerdy in, uh, in, in high school. He, he developed a little uh, more quickly than I did. Had a much, and, you know, now he's in Hollywood, and I'm sitting here on the beach uh, looking for – Lost cans of oil after uh, after Lee uh, yeah. simply closed down Miramar Beach. Uh, by the way, Lee, for the record, he deflected. He did not answer the actual question. I'll explain it a break. Well, he worry. he gets that from Greg Sankey. You know, he's yeah. Greg Sankey, a book of dodging <laughs> questions. Hey, Paul, before we get to again, uh, uh, Sankey, I got to tell you. So uh, when Barbara couldn't uh, locate you, she settled for a selfie with uh, Hugh Freeze. I don't know how that makes you feel, but that's like, that's what happened. In, the, in truth. All right. Do you... Well, uh, did, did, uh, did, no, did, did, did she get his number or did he get her number? <laughs> I hope not. It, but I can't answer that. I don't know. He doesn't know the numbers all the burnt. No, I'm yeah, sorry. I don't know sorry. those burnt numbers. So let me ask you, are you surprised Greg couldn't get the nine-game schedule pushed through? Lee... I, I am not surprised today, and, and I say that only because, and I, I think you're going to accuse me of sounding like uh, one of these commissioners now, but this thing just never came together. If you go back a year ago to when it seemed automatic, and I think I think instead of criticizing Greg Sankey, people should praise him for 
working through the week was, was that, I mean, yeah, there were some shots taken and there will be shots taken, but for the most part, it didn't feel down there. And I'll let you speak for yourself that it was a big uh, bone of contention. Uh, there was clear disagreement. Uh, we all know that we know. Uh, and I think the feeling is that the commissioner wanted to expand to nine, but everything was not aligned. And, you know, some of, some of the conversation about, well, we didn't know Texas which in Oklahoma were coming. I mean, that, that's not really uh, a, very, a very good answer. Uh, I, I think this is temporary. I think uh, Commissioner Sankey used the word interim. Uh, I would I would be very surprised if a year from today we're, we, we're not moving toward nine, but I, I think they needed a bridge where they had, I mean, everyone was unanimous in that if we don't have consensus, let's stay where we are. I know that sounds like a, a, a word salad, but they just, they, the, the SEC does not like to move forward uh, with, with division, and, and I, they, they used to. I mean, uh, you, you've covered uh, the SEC spring meetings before. I mean, 25 years ago, I remember all kinds of battles down there, and Sankey just did not want that. I'm not criticizing him. I'm not. In fact, I enjoyed his uh, uh, bits with the uh, media, you know, at his press conferences. But what really, I guess, if I'm correct on this, and, and Eli Drinkwitz, the Missouri coach, was the first coach we really yeah. heard from. And he, he said, look, I'm in favor of nine, but I want to do what's best for the conference. I'm not so sure some of those programs that didn't want to go to nine, they seem to be more concerned about reaching four, uh, six wins to get to a bowl game than what's best for the conference. A hundred percent. And, you know, I heard a lot of times that's uh, – I'm doing the math now. That's eight more losses. What does that mean? That means that – at the at the end of November, uh, as we turn into December, uh, you know the five and seven teams could have been six and six, meaning they could have gone to a bowl game. That doesn't mean anything if you're looking like uh, at Alabama, but it would have meant a lot to Auburn last year. Uh, it would have meant a lot to Texas A and M. And I I don't get hung up on you know bowl eligibility. To me, it's an overused phrase. But if you're trying to save your job. And, and have your program move forward, it, it's, it is important. I don't think the argument that it's going to cost anybody a CFP berth is legitimate. And you know, I thought uh, Greg Sankey just shot that one down when he was out with us on Wednesday night saying, uh, I, I, does it, did, did, have we forgotten 65-7 to 7, uh, uh, Georgia over TCU? So it, it, the, the national narrative will be negative, and, and I, I think uh, the SEC is fine with that because – I hate to sound like the guy who wrote the book, but I did. The SEC really doesn't care. Uh, I mean, the SEC uh, is, 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 is more dominant today than it's ever been before, and it can withstand a couple of pot shots from national pundits. I agree with you there, but if you're the dominant league, you claim to be, many people think you are. Shouldn't you be playing a, a dominant schedule? Lee, let me, let me say one thing about that. The, the SEC doesn't have to claim to be the dominant league. It, it speaks for itself, and I, and I think that's what they're hanging their hat on. This is not a – we're no longer in a, in a race here between the, uh, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Ten. Who's better? Everyone knows who's better. That, that, that's, that's not in dispute. And I think because of that position, because it's been earned, not uh, you know, given, the SEC decided – We'll take a hit for a year while we get everything in right. And, and there are some complicated things going on here. And I think it's pretty obvious that there are more factors here than just disagreement. 
there's a television part of it. What's it worth? And I think that's really, really the, where people are confused. And this is always weird talking about where you work, but I will, uh, because I feel like you have to be honest when you're talking about college sports. Uh, I think I think if the ESPN deal had been done later, uh, after Texas and Oklahoma, this would have been easier. But the ESPN deal was uh, essentially agreed upon, even though it wasn't announced. For another year and a, uh, a year and a half, it was agreed upon in December of 2019, and Oklahoma and Texas were not on the uh, on the horizon then. Paul Feinbaum's our guest here on WNSP. Follow him on Twitter at Feinbaum. I I kind of have a different take. Lee and I have been going round and round on this all week. I I agree with you. The SEC is is the front runner. Like they don't have to bow down to anybody. Uh, and and it, it it's the same as it, it's the same as his the comments about what's best for league. Coaches are always for what's best for the league overall, as long as it it it, it it's parallel to what their self interests are, right? So I, I don't buy when a coach says whatever's best for the league. No, they want what's best for their program, and if that reflects greatly on the league, then perfect. Every it's a it's a winning combination. The other thing is until the college football playoff says University X, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, whoever is not getting in because they only played eight conference games and their non-conference is too weak. There's really no reason why you should put more hurdles in front of your teams if you're Greg Sankey, right? You're winning. You're getting to the playoff. You're going to get more in when they expand with eight. Why Why put yourself in a situation where you could hurt that? So I'm I'm all for them staying from for eight as an administrative perspective. Now, as a fan, of course I want to see nine. But – Again, I'm going to put my teams in the best position to succeed, and there's no reason not to stay at eight right now. No, and and it, this this hue and cry will come up in November when Charleston Southern and Citadel and all these sure. games are going on. But remember, uh, to win the SEC, you've got to play that that extra game. Uh, that that's that's a. I mean, nobody's playing a tougher opponent. Uh, than than what's happening in Atlanta on the first Saturday in in December. I would like to, I'm for nine games. Uh, I've, I, I've been for nine games uh, as long as Nick Saban was for nine games. Of course, he's no longer for nine games once he found out what the schedule was going to look like. But uh, that that is not really going to affect the the, the, the season very much because you know, think about some of the games that we're missing. Yeah, we're, we may miss uh, an Alabama Oklahoma game or. A, uh, Texas Georgia game, and we also, uh, you know, may miss Mississippi State and Missouri. Uh, can we live with that? I think so. By the way, uh, it, it appears if the the latest rule about uh, charging or storming the field were in effect last year, at least Alabama would have a cool million to show for it. Yeah, and 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 you know how much Alabama needs that money. Uh, I, I, what I what, what I thought was the most interesting story down there was was the uh, the conversation about NIL, and, and I'm still not sure, Lee, what I heard, uh, other than we have to do something about it. And and what and what what is the what is the SEC going to do about it? Well, next week they're going to Washington. I mean, they are yeah. literally taking the SEC to Washington next Wednesday. And what is going to happen there? Uh, and so I, I, 
the eight nine game situation will, will fade very quickly, but the NIL and the portal issues, these things are going to remain. Also, tampering was a question. Gambling was up there, and in fact, they brought in that guy from the U.S. Integrity. So these were all issues. Yeah. But again, you're right. There were a lot of stuff that was talked about, but there's no solutions. No, there are no, and and there won't. And a week from today, after uh, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and 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 Brian Kelly. Uh, hang out with Tommy Tuberville in, in Washington. <laughs> we'll, we'll still be having the same conversation because I mean I, I was watching the TV news this morning that uh, you know I mean we, we we're all celebrating the fact that the the United States Congress avoided the the debt uh, the debt to go off the cliff. I mean that that, that was almost that, that was only with the, with everyone's 401k about to go down in smoke did the Congress do something. There's not that compelling issue uh, for for college sports because I don't think very many people feel sorry for college athletics getting in the position it's in because it could have done something about it five years ago or ten years ago and it chose not to. Mr. Biggs, I mean Paul, thank you as always for your time. Uh, enjoyed it. Uh, we look forward to doing it again soon. You got it, guys. See you next week. Yep. That's Paul Feinbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we ran long. Are we doing a scoreboard here? Yes. Yeah, we kind of have to. Yeah, we didn't have one at six. I so. know you guys missed it. You guys getting up. We I we know. went. Can you imagine me going two hours without a scoreboard? I know he's got he's got the sh- he's On like brand new desk. He's got the shakes. Like it's weird. He's got he's got withdrawals. It's weird. He's the. It's like dehydrated. In front of me. I know he I just can't. He can't. He's got the shakes. It's, it's kind of unnerving. Even my there. iPhone can't help me. I know, and that thing can do everything. All right. Um, yeah, we were so excited to have Lee back. He talked for 28 straight minutes. We didn't even take a break. I'm taking one now. Um, Dan Jennings at 7:30. Trey Wallace uh, on SEC at 8 o'clock, and Tony Barnhart at 8:30. Stay with us. Continue with the app. We'll be back. This is Will Herring, a member of the Auburn family. When I'm in Mobile, I listen to WNST 105.5. 726, welcome back in. The opening kickoff just flying along on this Friday right here in the sports station. Alec Naiman joins us now from Naiman's Catering. Good morning. How are you today? What do you recommend this weekend? Well, certainly that uh, cheeseburger in paradise, I got to tell you. Hey, you know, it's summertime, guys. We've got all kinds of events going on, lots of fishing, lots of beaching going on. Our freezer's full of casseroles and gumbos and crab soups and all that kind of stuff. And of course, we make fresh chicken salad and potato salad. Possibly. I mean, it's a quick phone call. You can take it to the beach for the weekend, that kind of stuff. We always got smoked butts and ribs and briskets, so we always we always ready for a quick a quick uh, trip to the beach. So uh, give us a call at 473-3900. Look us up on the web at nameiscatering.com. Give us a like on Facebook. We like that kind of stuff. Father's Day is just a couple of weeks away. Think of your papa there. He, may, he might like a good prime rib or steak. We'll do any of that for you. So call us, 473 473- 3,900. Hey, guys, y'all have a great weekend and go fishing. How about that? <laughs>
All right, Alex. Uh, <laughs> I know a lot of people would like to take you up on your suggestion. So, Mark, uh, on our way back yesterday from Sandestin, we stopped at what I would consider a landmark restaurant in Pensacola. It's very famous. Arity's Angels. No. Oh. No. And uh, so they, I was telling you about the sticky finger story. So they bring Pause. out this uh, brown bread. It's very dark in there. Pause. You, you need a flashlight. Pause. <laughs> you need an iPhone with a light on it to be able to read the menu. A flashlight so, and an iPhone with a light? Either or. Either or. Just to uh. read the menu. So they bring the bread, and I go to cut it. And I'm like, what is this stuff on top of it? They coat it with honey. Pause. Wow. Honey bread. Slick. Was it Sticky. Good? Was it was it delicious? Did yeah. you want more? Were you craving it? Could you not get enough? Believe Somebody me, their portions are sticky. Yeah, there's there's portions are so big. No, I, I I enjoyed it once I went to the restroom to wash my hands off of all the honey. Pause! <laughs> Lee, you make me laugh, sir. That's the first time I've ever had that happen. At a restaurant with well, honey top the bread. You're an adventurous guy. You walked out fulfilled, though? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I didn't see your picture, though, on the celebrities. They have all these celebrities yeah. there, and you're not up there. Yeah, I'm kind of a private guy. Different strokes for different folks. All right, Dan Jennings is next. Speaking of celebrities, the opening kickoff. face i don't know if it's because it's the music if it's friday or it's because we got our next guest on the phone i think it's all three you think it is you know what he did to me yesterday is this have to do with the mcguire story because i'm not no. sure i can handle another no, story this like is that something else so i was talking to dan jennings the assistant gm of the washington uh, nationals danny good morning how are you today hey i'm doing good guys good morning so tell tell mark the april fool's joke you pulled on me yesterday on june 1st okay yeah Breaking news out of the SEC uh, meetings. I had Lee going, said ESPN had caved in and had upped the ante to $350 million more to get the ninth game, and we were close to being approved. And Lee thought he had breaking news. I couldn't let him run with it, Mark, though. I, you know, too many margaritas on the beach down there, and Destin might have uh, damaged his reputation. You know, you are now the second guest we've had on today that has uh, told us that he has been drinking heavily on the beach. Uh, you and Paul uh -oh. Feinbaum have confirmed. You know what they say in journalism, you know, one source isn't a story, but two, we got a, we got a yeah. front page above the fold headline here. Yeah, we may have truly late-breaking news with Lee and Destin. Yeah. But I couldn't let him run. I had to stop it, but it sure would have been fun. I mean, he, he does. He's been drinking a lot of liquids today. He seems a little dehydrated. I, I think we're on to something. We may have it. We may have a story. Unfortunately, when he, if he slurs his speech, it's just like it's it's like Tuesday well, around here. So. Say, what are you guys saying? Is that what yeah. you saying? Yeah. So, Danny, uh, <laughs> I heard a stat this morning that Major League Baseball games now, at least for the first couple of months, 
whereas last year they were going three hours, six minutes. They're down to two hours and 39 minutes. But there's a guy that's not too – well, there's probably a few, but your buddy there, Max Scherzer, he's not too happy with the way things are going right now, and he got into it with the umpire, and the umpire yesterday said, look, I can't control this. The pressure is on to speed up the game. And what he was complaining about was the uh, Mets catcher had uh, been the last batter of the inning, so he was a little slow in getting his equipment on. And when he came out, they didn't let Scherzer take his eight warm-up pitches. Does Scherzer have a case? He says, the, you know, there's such a thing as the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I saw it, and I totally agree with Max. You know, this is something – Look, number one, baseball is very superstitious anyway. And, man, sometimes when you disrupt a guy's routine, you know, maybe maybe they throw two breaking balls during their warm-ups. But they know that those eight pitchers are there, and they utilize that in their mind to prepare for an inning, and then you disrupt it. You are, uh, number one, running the risk of injury. Number two, you're breaking their routine that they get accustomed to. But somewhere, somewhere in a lot of things now, but common sense has to prevail. If the catcher makes the last out, employ a little umpire discretion and common sense and let the guy, uh, I think it was Francisco Alvarez, the catcher, let him get suited up, get back out behind the plate and carry on to do what he's there to do. And just because the two minutes are – are. Uh, ran every half inning when the catcher makes the last out then you have to uh, you have to be a little flexible there one of the main issues at sandestin was gambling and I'll, I'll just quote one coach shane beamer and he said look he said i i don't even know all the gambling rules he said i don't know if i can go in with the ncaa basketball tournament and participate in a pool or anything like that and obviously these coaches are trying to educate the players they brought us integrity a spokesperson in there i was kind of curious because i wonder for instance can can a play, Can athletes go down to Beau Rivage? Can they place bets, go to Vegas? Can they do stuff like that? I mean, do you know all the rules as they govern gambling? Because obviously baseball, it's been an issue there too. Well, yeah, it's definitely been an issue. And in, back to your original question, I hope so, because I've certainly uh, I've sat at plenty of blackjack tables in Biloxi and Vegas and other places with players and coaches. And, you know, the way that uh, the rule in baseball, Rule 21, implies that, you know, you cannot gamble on the game. You can't gamble on baseball. Um, I'm sure that there are overzealous people who probably take that to, uh, you know, to the NC2A basketball uh, pools and things like that. But I, I, uh, I think that, you know, probably a large part of that conversation was to do with what happened with uh, with the Alabama baseball program. And uh, again, there's an integrity level of the game that that all sports have to protect. Uh, but I also think that you know, again, common sense has to uh, apply here. And when you do things that you heard with the Alabama baseball, and it's that blatant and that open, then uh, of course, there is going to be punishment, as there should be, for the integrity of the sport. So let me ask you this. When you were managing, did you have to be very careful about information getting out? Let's say 
outside the locker room if somebody came up to you? Were you ever, let's say somebody came up to you and said, hey, is this guy pitching today or is this guy hurt? Did you have to be very careful for if you didn't know who they were because of gambling issues? I was always protective of that league by nature. I'm that mindset because I don't want to give my opponent anything that could potentially help him. And so, yeah, you know, if you get late in the ball game and the opposing team knows that maybe one or two members of your bullpen is not available or somebody's nursing an injury, uh, then, then that affects some strategy things that in turn can affect the outcome of the game. So uh, I was taught at a very early age with, uh, with that in baseball that, you know, don't, don't give away anything that potentially could, uh, could damage your chances to win. You know, that was another issue. I haven't even brought it up at, at Sandestin was should college uh, football programs do what the NFL does and release injury reports prior, well, to the uh, weekend games. And obviously everything's very secretive with uh, football, college football. You don't ever find out really till maybe game day or right before the game whether somebody can play or not play unless it's so egregious. So I, I, I know in you know in the in the case of NFL they do have these and uh, they do release injured player lists and questionable and things like that. Do you think this should come to college football? I I think that to some degree it is. I know I've watched uh, game day on ESPN and uh, you know you can sit because they they have the odds and things that go up and man when they release that a, a guy is not going to play that he's injured he's going to miss the game you can look at at some of the graphs that come up on those. Uh, on those betting sites on the uh you know they put down in the bottom corners of tvs and you can see how a, a line will shift when a certain player has been declared uh you know out for that game so it probably from a standpoint of just putting the information out there it's not a bad thing to do but i also think that the, the biggest reason would be you know from the bets and the betters all right, Dan, I got something for you. I'm, I'm sure you saw this, so I got to get your comments on. Did you see this viral moment in the in the New York High School Baseball Championship? It went viral. Um, uh, so fourth-ranked Hornell and uh, second-ranked Palmara were – it was like 5-4 for those that didn't see it. Uh, and Hornell, who was the underdog, one strike away from the upset, right? Tell them what happened. This is the game where the uh, – strikeout occurred and the catcher didn't throw down to first base to complete the play correct that is correct so he celebrated it was a drop third strike he did not the runner to his credit kept running he celebrated went running out there was a dog pile the ball's just sitting there and like two or three guys ran around the bases finally when it was too late like a couple of the other um i guess one of the the shortstop one of the guys was like screaming at his guys to go get the ball they plated not only the tying run but the winning run they went from losing to winning in the matter of seconds i i have to tell you i saw it i actually watched it a few times trying to locate where the ball was i applaud the i mean it's a horrible way to lose yeah. a championship but I applaud the umpire for not 
committing to make a call and allowing, you know, the play to finish and heads up to the team that just continued to run the bases and uh, and scored the two runs. So uh, both sides of it, one of them was alert and they made it work to their advantage and the other team had their heart broke with, uh, you know, they celebrated before they completed the play and there's certainly a lesson in there, but it's, uh, it's a very costly one. Yeah, you know, it reminded me, it was years ago, I think it was in Louisiana. So the final play of the game, the team had the ball was winning. And so they were just looking to kill some time. So quarterback took the snap uh, and then he just started scrambling. He kept going further back, further back, further back. He was in his own end zone. The, the clock said zero. So he just threw the ball up in the air. And uh, this is a high school game. And one of the defenders caught it in the end zone. They lost the ball game. Yeah. yeah, there's, you know what, those things very seldom happen, but the lesson in there is to complete the play. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then you, you have your celebration and your state champs. But I did. I watched it a few times, Mark, and I'm like you. I thought, wow, what a heck of a way to get your heart broke right there. Yeah. Uh, sir, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming aboard. We'll uh, have a great weekend. All right. Y'all do the same. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll do a little uh, little golf. John Ricchetti, Millite Golf Report. We'll take your phone calls. We'll reset some of the big topics of today as well. NBA Finals Game 1. Um, the uh, storming the field rule has been tweaked. The SEC schedule for 2024 has been tweaked. There's a new Pop-Tart Bowl, so we need to talk about your favorite Pop-Tart flavors. I mean, there's just a lot going on here on a Friday, and we're here for every minute of it. Lee, I'm sure, has more sticky stories, and I'll scream pause. He won't know what that means. You'll get a good chuckle. I'll get a good chuckle. Everybody wins. It's Friday. Stay with us. Hi, this is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSB 105.5. It's the opening kickoff, Lee. It is, and uh, we're I don't know talk. why I said that. Like I'm trying to remind you. I just you well, know, I've been that away. Just, been that's away, just me so. pitching it to you, I guess. It's okay. It's a good way to do it. I always remind our guests that they're on the opening kickoff. I do want to thank the Spawn Tub Manufacturers, your pool and swim spa connection over there in Chickasaw, Greer's Marketing Cat and Saver. You're all right. Yes. Okay. Well, I choked up over that I one. I know. You're all you're getting all well, emotional being back. I am. T. Bachelor and Son Heating and Air and Conditioning. Well, you know what? Getting an A in the Nick Wiggins School of Broadcasting has really helped my ego. Yeah. You know, because I, I didn't get many A's in college. Well, you he's he, it's the end of the it's the end of the class. You got to do that whole professor review thing. You know where he comes in at the end of the class and says, "Hey, y'all got to do this review." So he's looking for good marks. Well, this thing about editing has got me a little concerned for my final exam. So I <laughs> I don't know if I can do that one, but maybe I can because he's a good teacher. All right. Also, want to thank the Keesler Federal Credit Union. Let's talk some golf. John Ricchetti with the Miller Lake Golf Report. We do have the memorial. What's going on there, Johnny? Well, it's uh, Jack Nicholas's tournament. Obviously, he is the host of the memorial, and it's an elevated event. A lot of big nine, big time players in the field. But uh, Alabama's Davis Riley had the had the lead at five under par. Extremely tough conditions 
yesterday. Wind was up. The course was playing really firm and fast. And a lot of high scores. Defending champion uh, Billy Horschel last year opened up with an 84 uh, yesterday. So a lot of play. Like, eight or nine players in the 80s, which is very, um, very uncharacteristic on the PGA Tour. But the golf course was playing tough. Roy McIlroy was three under par, going to the 18th hole. Suffered a triple bogey on route to a 70. To Scotty Scheffler with a 74, but uh, John Rahm solid around the golf with a couple under par play underway as we speak. Uh, Robbie Shelton, a two over par, 74 yesterday. Um, he's going to have to, excuse me, 75. He's going to have to play a good round today if he's going to be around on the weekend. So pretty much that's that's it in the world of golf. Also, also Johnny, uh, Johnny, let me ask know, Jack Nicklaus. Okay, I, I think you're going where I was going to ask you. I'm sorry. I, that's what I was going to ask you about, Nicholas, and the comment he made about Live Golf. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, listen, and I've said this, been asked for it in the last couple of weeks. So here's my stance on regarding the Ryder Cup and so forth. So I'm going to say this is that uh, I know uh, Zach Johnson, American captain, probably is not sleeping well these days and to do the fact because there's a major elephant in the room i think he really hopes that brooks kepka makes it or these live guys make it on their own merit which they're eligible eligible if you play in the majors you get the points brooks is second right now he's only got two more events uh to crack the top six automatically earning a berth to the Ryder cup so i strongly believe that if he does not make it uh, I, if he finishes seventh or eighth, I do not think he'll be picked, and it's going to open a big controversy everywhere he goes. Uh, how can you, how come Brooks Kepka's not on the team? You know, it's going to be it's going to be a really distraction for the American team. Uh, that being said, um, you know, there's obviously a rift between Liv and PGA Tour, and I strongly believe that the PGA this the Ryder Cup is run by the PGA of America. And I think they're in cahoots with the PGA Tour, and I just do not see them picking a live player to be on the American team on the Ryder Cup unless you earn your spot. And you look at John Rahm in his press conference on Tuesday, stating that he thinks live players should be playing. Uh, he's very, very vocal about Sergio Garcia, who's probably the most decorated Ryder Cup player in, uh, in a long, on American side, on the European side in a long time, and uh, he will not be there because all those guys relinquished their their membership to the European Tour, which means you cannot play on the Ryder Cup team. So it's a, it's a story. Uh, continues, we'll see. And, uh, you know, Zach Johnson still hasn't addressed the issues, but we'll keep an eye on this. And, and uh, see how this uh, performs. And congratulations to University of Florida for winning the NCAA Men's Golf Championship this past week in Arizona. Hey, John, always appreciate it, sir. Have a great weekend. We'll uh, talk to you on Monday. All right. You, uh, you guys take care. All right, guys, we have time to get to uh, you guys who can pop in. 694-1055. Uh, schedule is done tentatively. 2024, we have a we have a system in place. We also have a new system in place for charging the field. If if I'm on the road and I lose a big game, I've I got 50 or so guys rushing the field in in, in the name of the home team, so I can get a cool half half million or whatever the offense may be. So in other words, uh, the visiting team brings their fans and tells them to rush the field. No Put matter on what the happens. other team's color, man. Oh, aren't let's you do nasty. it. Aren't you nasty? I want 50 guys in orange when I go to Neyland Stadium. Yeah, like uh, Alabama, as you said, like they're hurting for money. Georgia hurting for and, money. And we give them a nickname, right? Like Alabama can have like the Saban squad, and their job every week is to go to the the uh, the, the away game, 
wear the opposing team's color, and you just create anarchy. And if for some, if by some reason Alabama loses, you you're the one that starts the riot. I like that. Speaking about, and I we can give them each different names for each school: Saban Squad, the Kirby Clan. I'm not sure if you want to go with KK there, but okay. I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, we can and we can come up with different guys. Kelly's Kelly's clan. We can have a bunch of clans in the SEC. That's. Uh, I really like this idea, <laughs> and I think so it's going to really. You talk about controversy on the night of June 14th when they released the SEC schedule, and again, no East, no West divisions in 2024. I assume this coming year there will be. Am I correct on that? You're still going to have the divisions in 2023. Yeah, in 2023. Right. You were the one at the I'm sorry. <laughs> you would know better than us. Well, I didn't see anything about 2023. I just saw about 2024. Basically, all the news broke after everybody left. Essentially, <laughs> yeah. is what happened. Well, even, that's true. Even only AP found out about Saban and the SEC contingent going to Washington to lobby Congress over this NIL stuff. It happened after the meetings. Everything was done, and I'm driving home yesterday. That's why we were kidding around, and Dan was telling me this thing, and I had no idea what had happened yet by the time I arrived home and started checking into it. But getting back, so June 14th, they're going to announce the 2024 schedule, which is kind of a takeoff on what the NFL does, you know, with prime time on the uh, NFL Network to release the schedule. And I think that's going to open up a lot of controversy because you're not going to have divisions. You're, you may not have the rivalries that you think you want to have, and then you're going to start looking, well, who got the better part of the schedule? Who got the easier schedule? Um, It's something I'll watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know. And then you want to see who gets to play Vanderbilt? And everybody can scream about how unfair it is. That's right, exactly. <clears throat> will, will Auburn get hit with Georgia? As well as Alabama, they'll, I'm sure they'll have the Alabama-Auburn series, but will they continue with Auburn and Georgia? One of the, the longest, what is that, the longest rivalry in the the SEC? And then you wonder about uh, Texas, Oklahoma. you got to figure that's going to continue, but will they match up Texas and Texas A&M? Uh, in the app, uh, as wild as it sounds, Mark's idea would probably ultimately end the field rushing because they'll start taking people to jail. See? I'm an ideas guy. And then somebody jumped in and said, "Whoa! I was just pumping gas, got in my car, and you said a bunch of clans in the SEC. What are we? What are we? What are we doing?" <laughs> well, we're we're giving names. We're creating we're these groups. The field. <laughs> They're storming the field groups. As as a major college football player, I'm putting together a group of guys or gals, whoever, who their yeah. job. And it's a great gig. You get to go to all the away games. I'll provide you a ticket to go uh, to game our away games. You will wear the opponent's colors, and if I get upset on the road, you will somehow spark a mild uh, riot riot that will cause the other team's fans to rush the field. But because the new rule is the fine goes directly to the losing team, and so we're giving them all names. And I think Nick started with. Um, well, we had, what was it? The Saban? You we had Saban Squad. Saban Squad. The Saban Squad. And then I said the Kirby Clan. The Kirby Clan, but that works for Kiffin or Kelly. And now you yeah, got, so you got a lot in there. Not yeah, to put we could a, say the uh, Brian Brigade. A damper on your there idea. You but if I'm not mistaken, don't they usually put the visiting uh, team's uh, attendance way up there in the third deck? I mean, it would take them a year to get down there. Well, you no, start but they wouldn't be, they wouldn't look like visitors. 
Right. Right. They, they stash them away as far away. And there are ways as they around can. that. You can kind of just start uh, lingering in the concourse there as, the, as, as we're getting to the last two minutes. And then you start you start early. You throw the first beer on the on the field, right? You throw a paper cup or solo cup, maybe, and then and then things escalate. And and now, now your so team's wait, making you money. You're saying that you we plant these people and they storm the field when they. Win or lose? Well, so if if for Saban's squad would travel to Knoxville, wear orange, I see. and if Knoxville, if Tennessee were going to win, which, as recent memory shows, is not that big of a stretch, you yeah. would start inciting. I see. Right. What, yeah, what, so what his point is: do it you. either way. Even if you uh, don't win, storm the field anyway, because you'll want the money. Yeah. Well. Right. Yeah, you could storm the field and protest because your team didn't right. upset. That way, you still uh, it's a little bit harder sell. But now you, you may know, not whatever. have as many people yeah. following you. But uh, the still. freeze fanatics. There you go. There we go. That's now better. you're getting it. <laughs> now you guys are getting it. So we need to name all the the other uh, schools. Does Vanderbilt? I don't know if Vanderbilt Lee's, Lee's Legion. The Fisher. I feel friends. like that was a. I feel like that's kind of your dream to have like Lee's Legion of Fans. Well, that's his last name's Lee. Right. So Legion, Lee's Legion. of Lee. LOL. Do you? I bet you Lee has a Legion of Fans out there. What would you guys want to be called? Or are you all in hiding, waiting for that moment to rise up and seize the day? What about the Beamers? Beamer. South Carolina Beamers. What what goes good with Beamer? Well. Beamer's boys. Brigade for B. Yeah. Beamer's Brigade. The Beamer Brigade. Shane Squad. That's Saban Squad. I don't know. We'll have uh, to work on it. What about that Pop-Tart Bowl? Yeah, what about that Pop-Tart Bowl? You guys eat Pop-Tarts? Lee, you eat Pop-Tarts? No, I'm I not do. a Pop-Tart guy. I, I don't eat them, but I love them. I don't like What's them. What's your go-to flavor? Say it on three, because there's only one answer. Okay. You and me or him and him? Just if you have one. On if three. you're in your car, let's all say it together. One, One, two, two three, chocolate. Wild berry. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? I love the you coordination. Uh huh. What'd you say? I, I said chocolate. Just plain chocolate? Yeah, they, they used to do I don't know if they still do the they do the white chocolate that was pretty good. Dark? It was white it was white frosting. The the dark chocolate's good. S'mores are excellent. Yeah, that's Straw- a one. Strawberry is excellent when it's not toasted. It's be- that's one of the few Everything's got to be frosted. They got the frosted top strawberry with yeah. the sprinkles, and then they have the unfrosted. Now. Yeah, don't give me unfrosted. You Actually, see they got Eggo waffle flavor now. Yeah, I ain't down with that. Low key uh, brown sugar, the cinnamon sugar. That's a popular one. That's yeah. a good one now. See, I like my pop tarts fruity, man. I need like that jelly center to be fruit, fruit yeah. flavored. And that's all you need to know about Nick. All right, our number three is next. Trey Wallace kicks things off. Stay with us. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, hour number three on a Friday. How about that? The gang's all back. Mark, 
Lee, Triple G, all in the studios of WNSP. Do you want to thank some of our sponsors for our coverage of the uh, spring meetings in Sandestin, Rich's Car Wash with uh, 30 locations, family-owned business, Dixie Supply, uh, also the Cart Doctor, LNS Air Conditioning. Let's talk more about what happened during the week and update is Trey Wallace, our good friend who lives up there in the uh, Knoxville area, but he works for OutKick. Uh, Trey, good morning. How are you today? Lee, it feels like it's been a whole year since I talked to you, man. Yeah, I, I know. Where have you well. been? Where have you been hiding? Hey, are you still down there? Uh, no, I got out of town. I, I had to take the uh, the long way home through, like, off Alabama. Like I think I went full backwards for about three hours yesterday. It was a long day. <laughs> Give us your take on what you think might happen, uh, not specifically, but just from an overview when the SEC announces this new eight-game schedule for 2024 on the SEC Network, June 14th. How do you think this is going to play out? Yeah, I, I think that the fact that they've already got a date in mind, which is well, what, we're 12 days from this, uh, tells me that they've been working on this, you know, this schedule now for I, you know, I, I'd at least say two months uh, in, in talking to some folks last night. Um, I, I think that, look, if we're talking about just the show, um, it, it's going to be something everybody's going to want to be tuned in for. They're going to make a grand spectacle of it. Um, it's it's going to be weird in a sense of having Texas and Oklahoma being announced on the show, you know, and probably getting some kind of reaction from you know, uh, their ADs or coaches about, you know, playing in the SEC. I think that one's going to be a little bit interesting to watch. Um, but I think that, you know, look, the, the way that we sit right now, the fact that we got to this point with the eight-game schedule, they're, they're going to try to to make this as big as possible, especially with all the criticism that I think the SEC is receiving over the last, you know, 48, 72 hours with the direction that they went. So, you know what, they're going to try to make it as big as possible. It's going to be, you know, um, you're going to have coaches from everywhere. You're going to have players, you know, they're going to build up this, this Texas Oklahoma thing. And also the biggest thing about it too is, you know, we are still going to see, some of these secondary rivalries. Like, I, I wouldn't worry about the, you know, the, the primary rivalry game. I think the secondary rivalry game was something that was on my mind if, if we would see in 2024. And after uh, after yesterday, that is a sure thing uh, for that season. So I'm looking forward to it at least. Do you think there'd be the end to the Alabama-Tennessee or Auburn-Georgia? I don't think – so I don't think that – it's not going to be the end of that in 24. I, look, guys, what, what's happening here is, and I don't, I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but this was the SEC saying, okay, ESPN is not going to pay us 5 to $7 million more per team right now uh, to add an additional game. So let's, let's balk on this. Let's hold off. Let's go with a temporary eight-game schedule. And then once Texas and Oklahoma join the league, then let's give them something to, you know, uh, put, put, present something in front of their eyes. And then ESPN, you know, their hopes, the SEC, is that they'll come back and say, okay, yeah, we're going to offer you more money uh, to add more teams to this thing, which you've already done. But I'm just saying I, I think they're going to get a product in front of them. So it's just it, – it's back and forth. I, I, I agree and I disagree, guys, because they've had time to discuss 
this nine-game schedule. They, they've had three years, really, if we're being honest with each other, to discuss this thing. And the fact that we, we, we still came out of here with eight games, um, I think that means there's just a lot of questions when it comes to the financial part of it and probably you know, a, a decent amount of it, too, with the college football playoff expansion. So here's the other question I have for you, Trey, and thanks for jumping aboard. If if I yeah, make a deal with you for or uh, if the SEC makes a deal with the with, with ESPN uh, to broadcast my games and we agree and then I come back after and say, well, I'm changing my schedule. You have a right to ask for more money, but ESPN is under no obligation to pay you more money just because you decide you want to change the format of your schedule, right? You're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, it's look when they negotiated the deal, they they knew Texas and Oklahoma were coming in, right? You know, so I mean, like that's not a surprise. You no, know? it's not like I woke up one morning and ESPN officials like, whoa, wait a minute, when did these guys get in here? Yeah, um, no, they, they they knew this was coming the whole time. And and what a lot of people don't, um, I, I think, understand, and it's not their fault. It's because it's it's not out there a lot. You know, ESPN is also negotiating for a lot of different types of sports properties outside of college football right now, too. I mean, you've got uh, the WWE, you've got the PGA Tour, um, you, you've still got, you know, a UFC contract that could be coming up. You know, th so th there's money going elsewhere right now. It, it, they already said the SEC, he go, man, here's near a billion dollars, you know, per year. You know, have at it. And this is what we're going to give you. We're going to give you a... You know, eleven o'clock prime uh, prime time, eleven o'clock game. Yeah. We're going to be the three thirty, and then you're going to. By the way, every Saturday night at seven thirty, you're going to get a game on ABC, which will probably be the best game of the day, in my opinion. That's how they're going to do it. And then the SEC Network at the same time also gets to do it. So, look, I I, I don't think this was uh, this was not some big surprise. If 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 the SEC went into this thing hoping that ESPN would fork over, I mean, what, guys are talking about probably if it's about 5 to $7 million per year. I mean, we're talking about about $100 million pretty much altogether. I just don't think that was logical. Um, so you look at it right now, look, ESPN's got nothing to lose, man. They've already got their product. They know what they're getting, so they're going to roll it out in 24. And, um, you know, if if – if it comes to a time where they think that the you know the SEC deserves more money or they can negotiate a nice figure, then yeah, we'll get there. But right now, you know, it's just like what you know ESPN had their presentation yesterday in front of the ADs and chancellors. It's like we don't have to give you more money. It's not owed. Like we've already agreed to this thing. So I think that's you know that gets a little bit lost as well. Mobile native, former WNSP uh, employer, playee, playee, and now with uh, Outkick, uh, based up there in the Tennessee area, uh, Trey Wallace uh, joining us this morning. So what else did you find compelling uh, during the week? Any particular interview or any issue uh, that uh, drew you to perhaps write a, 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 a long story about or anything uh -huh. like that? I think Sam, you know, it's always fun to to hear Sam Pittman talk. Uh, he was very open about NIL, you know, and how he, right now he thinks it's as high as the Empire State Building when it comes to funds that are being out there, um, and also the fact that, you know, uh, you know, Sam Pittman said that you know we're we're the type of school, we're in the type of situation right now, like where we're, where we can hang around with some 
his NIL take us over the top. Like, this is a big discussion. Like, we're about to see this now. We're about to see Nick Saban go to Washington, D.C. next week, uh, along with a, a, a number of different SEC officials, Greg Sankey included. They're going to try to go to Congress, and they're going to try to, you know, see what kind of legislation they can get. And, and, and if we go down that road, guys, it's going to be the same topics that we talked about before. You know, if, if they're going to try to make – you know, these, these student-athletes, employees, okay? Well, there's a lot of laws that go into that. And, and I think that it's something that I'm going to keep an eye out on. I, I don't think Congress is wanting to do anything right now with NIL. Yeah, there's a couple guys that do, you know, and, and, and ladies that want to get involved, and that's because, you know, the, the highest-paid people in their state are complaining about it. You know, and, and, I, and I think that, you know, look, NIL is, is a little bit out of control. Um, but I will say it's, it's stabilized compared to where we were at a year ago and a, in a year and a half ago. Um, so I, I look at that, you know, proponent of, of everything. And that, you know, the, big, the other thing, too, that was on the schedule this week was the security on the field, you know, post-game field stormings where it's like, okay, you know, the, the home school now has to, you know, pretty much make like a tunnel with a rope, like make an opening and get – and get the opposing coaches, get like Nick Saban off the field with security, which already happens, uh, to be honest with you. But they want an, an avenue to get all players off the field if, if, if teams storm the field. And then, you know, it was interesting because if this rule would have been in place this year, Tennessee, let's just we'll talk, we'll talk about Tennessee Alabama game. When Tennessee fans rush the field, you know, they would have had to pay under these new rules now, they would have had to pay Alabama. One hundred thousand dollars yeah. for them rushing the field. So <laughs> now we're getting into a little bit something different. Like, could you imagine like Vanderbilt having to pay Florida two hundred fifty thousand dollars for one of the nicest field stormings I've ever seen in my life last year? <laughs> when they were just politely walking on the field. Um, like, like it, it, some of this is just. Um, I think they had so much time. I mean, I don't know, four or five, six months to go over this, and that's what they came up with. Um, so whatever, so well, be it. But I, I, they're just. I don't. That part don't take away the pageantry of college football. Um, don't try to intimidate it. You know, it's not like it happens every week. Unfortunately for Alabama, it happened like two weeks in a row with Tennessee and then LSU. But at the end of the day, man, you know, field storming is, uh, if we can keep it safe, you know, in some form or fashion, it's a part of college football. And that's why we love it. Well, I joked earlier that, you know, you got to get, you got to get the teams and the coaches all first. And then what the PA announcer is going to come on and say, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time to storm the field. You know what I mean? Like it just it, there's there's no spontaneity there, and I've already devised plans for opposing teams to get their own group of fans in there to instigate field storming, so you can get paid if you're gonna lose. Oh, this right. is great. And it's also like I mean, it's also like go the Kentucky basketball route. John Calipari has figured it out. I give him look. I, do I like John Calipari sometimes? Okay, every now and then. But he's got it right when it comes to court storming. He sends his players to the locker room with a minute to go if they know that they're going to get beat. You know, not if it's like a game winner or something like that. But we saw that this past year. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was against Alabama, but definitely against Arkansas. Um, you know, so is there a way? You know, if your team is down ten points and there's thirty seconds left in the game, okay, you know, get your get your team to the locker room or something like that. I mean, you know, having a bunch of here's the thing too, like having a bunch of uh, security people in yellow jackets that make ten dollars an hour and they're just doing it really because they want to be a part of the game yeah. environment. 
having them try to stop thousands of fans storming at them like a running of the bulls, it's not worth it. I'd be the one sitting there letting fans come sure. through. So they got they got to figure out a way to you know if, if they really want to try to stop it. You know, it, it's not like they can have you know, police officers on horseback and you know pepper spraying the goalpost to keep it from happening. It's just I don't know. <laughs> a lot of things go into it. I mean, monetary is just not going to be the one. Right? We, we're going to grease the goalposts like in Mardi Gras time. I like it. Uh, Trey, <laughs> how can uh, we appreciate you jumping aboard, man? How can people uh, continue to follow your coverage of all things SEC? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on uh, social media, Twitter, at Trey Wallace underscore. Uh, follow all my work at Outkick.com. And, uh, guys, always love coming on. And, Lee, always great to see you, my brother. Had a good time with you this week. Yeah, man. we really did, Trey. It was great seeing you, and congratulations on what you're doing these days for Outkick. Thanks, guys. Hey, y'all have a great weekend. I appreciate y'all. Yep, you too. That's Trey Wallace, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We are going to do a scoreboard traffic and weather here. And a uh, little Chick-fil-A coming up. What better way to start the weekend with a little little trivia, a little, little fried deliciousness. We'll get back to our Pop-Tart debate. Toasted or untoasted, do you have a preference? I think it depends on the flavor. i got to be honest. And so much more. Tony Barnhart scheduled for 8.30. Stay with us. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff. Hi, this is Bo Manning, my co-producer of Training Days, Rolling with the Tide, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 Mobile. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's your chance for fried deliciousness. Compliments of WNSP. So yesterday, the Miami Heat went to the free throw line just two times. They hit two out of two. That set a record for an NBA playoff game. Name the team that had held the record when they hit three out of five in a postseason game. Uh, Miami now holds the record. Fewest free throws, fewest free throws attempted Two for two. Name the team that previously held the record. They went to the line five times and hit three. Man, those referees just won't be giving Miami any love. Well, at least we know Eric Lewis won't. What a crazy story that is. I know. I don't understand I it love all. It. But the uh, Burner account and Adam Silver announced that Eric Lewis, a veteran uh, NBA official, would not be officiating any postseason as the league investigates his Burner account. <laughs> Can you explain that to me? Well, there's that expression he has in that clip that's gone viral uh, where he just looks so disappointed <laughs> after the made basket. Man, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the worst. It's potentially the worst type of story you can have if you're a league when it comes to questioning the integrity of officials. It's, it's it's, it's got to be the worst. Short of short of your people gambling on games or whatever, the integrity of officials is 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 awful. You just can't have it. You can't have it. Um, all right. Well, you guys are working on that. By the way, we were talking about crazy uh, crossover events. Well, it started with I I told you that I went and saw the new Spider Man movie yesterday, right. which has a lot of different Spider people in there. 
And then we were talking about movies that are coming out. And you got The Flash that's crossing over with, what, Batman, right? Michael Keaton, Batman. And some Superman. Yeah, Superwoman. Superwoman, and there's some talk about a Superman cameo. Right. And then we were talking about Fast X, and I was saying how I wanted to see the new Fast and Furious 10 movie. But I don't know if I really am going to go to the theater and see it. Especially because it's part one. Like, just give part me the 10th one, one. Right. It's like Mission Impossible is coming out, but it's like part one. Well, it's like the 12th one. What are we doing? Yeah. Well, yeah. Once you get to like your 10th movie, you can't start using part one, part two, part three. <laughs> uh, at that point, I guess just go to 11, 12, 13, right? Right. It makes sense. I mean, a Fast and Furious movie doesn't need a seven-hour finale if you're breaking it up into three movies because they're already really long. Right. And my point is, what what stunt are you going to pull that you haven't pulled yet? And I suggested, sarcastically, jumping over Mount Rushmore, and Nick was like, ooh, write that down. They I haven't like, done yeah, that's that actually yet. a good idea. <laughs> and then I said, have they done it yet where they put a big drill on the front of uh, Vin Diesel's Mustang or whatever? And he goes under the ground. Right. And digs like a hole. And then you said to, what, magnetize it to the bottom of the ocean? Yeah, do submarine. Have yeah. uh, Jason Momoa or whatever his name is down there be like, this looks so familiar to me. And it'd be like oh, an Aquaman perfect. reference, right? <laughs> no, they need to hire us. So we need crossover events. Like we were talking about, what if you, what if you like, met, like crossed over fast... The Fast franchise was like Back to the Future, and they're chasing a DeLorean. All of a sudden, it disappears. And you're like, great, Scott! Can you imagine Dom Toretto and Doc Brown <laughs> hanging out? And Tyrese would be like, man, this is crazy, y'all! <laughs> or what about Fast and Furious and the Transformers? Ooh. Lee's on his iPad Dom, right Dom now. Dom and the Autobots. <laughs> Him and Optimus Prime. Yeah. It's more than meets the Hollywood, eye. would listen to us. Tony Barnhart's next. Again, the opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP.com. You guys can jump in, 694-1055. Hit us up in the app, WNSP.com. Got a lot of different conversations going on here. We're talking uh, SEC spring meetings and all the, the changes to the schedule. Rushing the field. We're talking Pop-Tarts. We're talking movie franchise crossovers. You name it. We're, we're kind of hitting it all today. The NBA Finals. Um, we're all over it. Uh, someone suggested a crossover, but it got edited out. Perhaps uh, some language there. Maybe if you rephrase in a way that's not as uh, in your face, we could we can share that with the folks. We're efforting. We're efforting. We were trying to get Tony Barnhart on. He to me would be the like the last word, Mr. Foot Mr. College football journalist for many years, an insider, to get his take on what he thought might happen and what did happen. Uh, I think the uh, narrative going into this past week was that the SEC was definitely going to 
take a look, a long look at a nine-game schedule. But then as the week wore on, you got the impression there were too many schools that were opposed to it. Uh, they wanted to stay with the eight game. And if you want to say it's because of more money from ESPN, fine. I happen to think that some of the schools were a little weary of playing uh, a ninth game, figuring they may not uh, get to six wins and, and get to a bowl game. Uh, maybe looking out more for their own program than they were for the league. And, you know, to that I say many of these officials who make these decisions, they may not be around by the time uh, Texas and Oklahoma come, you know, with the firings and everything. And something else was brought up. We talked a lot about bowls. Getting six wins and getting to a bowl game doesn't guarantee you save your job. I, I I didn't keep count, but a number of coaches were fired last year who got to six wins and did not coach their team in bowl games. So that's not a recipe for success to uh, go six yeah. and six during a regular what, season. What I do find interesting about this dynamic, though, is generally when you talk about making policy and mandating new policies and, and guidelines, it's usually the, the more successful, uh, more powerful institutions that ultimately pass that kind of legislation or whatever. And in this case, it appears like the, I don't want to say weaker, but the less successful folks seem to be banding together and 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 creating a a a force more powerful than that right so like the little guys standing up and saying we're we're going to be heard on this well they were and now Texas and Oklahoma were there but they had no vote on it and my understanding in reading was that Texas definitely wants a nine game schedule but they didn't have a vote they're not yet in officially in the conference so we look now okay it's done so there's no no you can criticize it all you want, but it's not going to change anything. They'll stay with an eight game. Most of the Power Five conferences play a ninth game. But as Greg Sankey said, we don't necessarily do what the other conferences do. We, we're the leader. We'll do what we want. We don't need to do what they do. There may be some criticism from other conferences, as there has been in the past, that they should be playing more games. But right now, they're staying at eight. They're going to announce the schedule on June 14th. We talked about that earlier in this hour. Primetime, SEC Network. I think it'd be kind of exciting. It's a new way of doing something. I wonder where they came up with this idea because that, Mark, during the week, nothing like that was ever uh, brought up. Well, it took a page out of the NFL playbook. The only only difference is when the NFL does it, you pretty much have a a pretty good idea of a lot of what's going to happen, right? I think because there's so much unknown. I wouldn't do this every year, but because of the unknown and and wanting to see how the rivalries shake out and all that kind of stuff, I, I think it's going to be must-see uh, must TV for sure. It, you would have thought, though, that something would have been breathed out. We would have heard something during the week that that's what they were planning, but nothing. Nothing came out of that. That was, to me, the real surprise, that we're going on the SEC Network to televise and uh, coaches, maybe some players on there to talk about it, and we're playing this team. and we're play- But again, that, that schedule's not the 2024. We've really jumped ahead because 2023 is like it usually is, your eight-game conference schedule and east and west. And the following year, there is no east-west. It's the two top teams. Uh, got some feedback in the app. Uh, Tight would like to see a Rambo crossover uh, with Predator. What's your two favorite movie, like movies? Would you like to see him crossed over, like do a crossover event, Lee? Like I'd have the Magnificent to Seven my... and whatever the opposite of Magnificent Seven is. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. What is the opposite? Now we've seen crossovers in TV shows, sure. Law and Order, 
Uh, in fact, there was seven one. Seven and Monk. CB. Uh, <laughs> say that again. What was that? What were we doing to my Monk? Magnificent Seven and Monk. The crossover event of the century. Monkificent Seven. Yeah, Monk would be out there cleaning the saddle and spraying everything, and uh, wow. and then and then, and then fascinating and then, uh, TV. Yeah, then the bad guy would come in and Monk would go up to him and you know make sure that that don't touch me. <laughs> okay, so. But crossovers, like CBS, didn't they have like three shows that crossed over? Yeah. I so we're, 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 we're creating our own crossovers now. So like Transformers and, and Fast X, I'm, I'm down with that. That just writes itself. It really does. Like I can just see Optimus Prime, or no, I can see Vin Diesel handing Optimus Prime the AllSpark and being like, I guess I've got a couple more family members now. There's nothing like family, and 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 I'll try. Uh, Optimus, Optimus can, I always thought cars was family. Now I really know it to be true. And Optimus is like nothing. Always meets the eye. Whatever he said, more than meets the eye. Yeah, I mean you could totally do that. Absolutely. What if you did like a James Bond Mission Impossible crossover? Where they're working together in a multi-jurisdictional, like, national, international agency uh, thing. You're, you're missing the boat on that one. I want to see Indiana Jones crossing over with somebody. With Cocoon the Return? If you want. Uh, with, 80, is it, he's 80 now, isn't he? Yes! When's, when's his new flick coming out? This summer. Isn't it? This, it's this summer. It's this summer. We got Tony on? I think we do. Mr. College Football. Tony Barnhart. How you doing, my friend? Good morning. Good morning. Hope everybody's okay this morning. We are. I always know I'm in the right place when I see you there. I know it's a big event. So take. I want to hear your interpretation of where we started last week and where we wound up. Lee, I think you know when I, I got here last Monday and had a chance to talk to a number of people then, and I, I thought at that time that we were headed to uh, a playoff with. Uh, you know, a nine-game conference schedule. I thought we were headed in that direction. But as the week went on, more and more issues got raised. And by yesterday was Thursday. By Wednesday, when we had a chance to talk to some of the coaches and some of the uh, athletic directors, it came pretty clear that there was, there was not going to get – that was not going to happen. That was not going to happen this week. There was too much more ground to cover. So uh, – that's why you ended up with the one year. It's a one year opportunity to sort of resolve all these issues. I'm I'm disappointed. I'm very much in favor of a nine game conference schedule, and I and we're going to get there. Well, I feel very confident we're going to get there, but they just needed they needed more time. And uh, there's one thing that Commissioner Sankey learned during the pandemic is don't you don't make a decision. Uh, before you absolutely have to make it and you get all the data involved. So ultimately, that's what I think happened. I understand that. And I actually thought uh, the commissioner, who I have a lot of admiration for, would actually push this through. I really did. But, like, this thing kept coming up. And even in the press conferences that I attended, two of them, information, like, this has been going on for over a year. It's not like this is brand new. What new information do you need? Well, there's information, Lee, and there's information at a time when, it, when it, we were getting close to making the decision. And uh, and you you've all, always have to put in the X factor. The X factor is that uh, the SEC and their friends at ESPN 
haven't settled on what the real number is going to be. There's there's the there's the talked about number, but then there's the real number, and the real numbers. Uh, how much, you know, I, I, Lee, if you had to simplify it, I think it was this. I think it came down to the fact that uh, if the SEC was going to go to nine conference games, in other words, it, it add those additional nine games and spread those additional nine wins and losses, they were going to get compensated for it. And I, don't, and I don't think they've come to that number yet. So uh, it will be interesting to see how they roll out the 2024 schedule next week. Uh, when they do when they do that that'll be that'll be interesting it is I, I'll probably switch from my baseball game to watch that <laughs> I, I can't I'm actually looking forward to that because there's no divisions now everything is up in the air and you want to see how many rivalries they will uh, continue along with Greg Sankey was quoted as saying we'll, we'll try to maintain a lot of those rivalries but can they really do that looking I don't think they can maintain all of them but I think you can feel pretty confident that Georgia Auburn Will be a, in a secondary rivalry that'll be retained. Uh, I think I, the thing that I'm most looking for is Texas A&M in Texas. What are you going to do with that? Okay, because if you're going to, uh, which game goes away? Texas A&M in Texas? Uh, you keep Texas and uh, Oklahoma. They may be able to do that as well. But yeah, it's the pr- primary rivalries they can they can handle no problems. What, what about the secondary rivalries? That, that's what I'm anxious to see. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football on the line with us right now. So many questions. I wonder if there's solutions. Tampering, gambling, NIL. Do you, do you see Sankey and, and Saban descending on D.C. amounting to anything? Uh, they've, they've got to start somewhere because I don't see a solution. First of all, what people think is the solution to the NIL problem is to, you know, to restrict the amount of money that the guys can make. And I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but I did raise one. I know a little bit about antitrust law and I just don't, unless, unless the federal government steps in and gives college athletics an antitrust exemption, I don't, I don't really see uh, a solution because any solution that you could come up with is going to restrict the rights of the players to make what they can make in the open market. So I think you got to, come up with some kind of plan that, that involves uh, an antitrust exemption for uh, college athletics. Let me ask you this. Uh, this topic of unionization of players, do you ever mm-hmm. see this happening in college? Yeah, and here's here's why. There's, there's probably not a solution without it. Uh, anything that is any kind of uh, labor agreement that's done through collective bargaining is exempt from antitrust law. And it could be ultimately the only solution is for the players to become uh, employees and therefore become unionized and therefore collectively bargain for uh, what for their piece of the pie in all, in all matters. It's a real, this is a real complicated, the, the issue guys is that you know, it's one thing when college athletics had its own law; it did it did its own rules. But there came a time, of course, where the the laws of college athletics, the rules of college athletics, intersected hard with the law of the United States of America. Supreme Court told us, "Okay, guys, don't come back to us with this kind of stuff. This is your problem." So, uh, yeah, I can I can see it. Can you imagine somewhere down the road, long after I've stopped uh, covering this, that uh, you, you unionize and the players go on strike? 
they don't want to practice sure. that much. They they, they want and, and that's better what, food. That's why it has scared people so much, Lee, is that if you organize if you organize the players, then the players can have a union. If you got a union, you can strike. So, absolutely, and that, and that that's why. Other than federal intervention, I don't see uh, an answer to this. As always, Tony, appreciate your opinions, comments. Look forward to catching up to you in the near future. And obviously, when you get up to Nashville, that should be exciting, huh? With uh, going from about 30 media members to 1,000. We'll have something to talk about. (laughs) You have a wonderful day and a great weekend. And thank you so much for your time. All right, Lee. Take care. Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. All right, the crossover uh, conversation has taken it on a new life in the app. Rambo and John Wick. Um, John Wick and Jason Bourne. Any of that interest you? Jumanji crossover with Jurassic Park. Mm, I think we're thinking a little too safe. They're too. They're too. They're too alike. Yeah, let's you want to go something crazy. You want to go like opposite. What about like? Friday the 13th. <laughs> Meet the parents. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. See, now you're, ge- now you're getting it, Lee. Yeah. You're telling me Freddy Krueger rolls up in Robert De Niro Absolutely. and Ben Stiller's house and we're not going to get a good movie? That's it. That's Nightmare on Elm Street. No, but, I mean, Meet the Parents yeah, versus... Right. Mm. What's the other mm-hmm. guy? Chucky, right? No, that's Chucky. Oh, what is it? Ghostface, am I thinking of? Oh, my... <laughs> what... what? <laughs> Oh, Leatherface, right? Yeah. Um, all right. Oh, Michael Myers. That's it. Yeah. Serious deduction points. See, somebody said Smokey and the Bandit and Dukes of Hazard. So they're too much alike. They are. So maybe like Cars and Smokey and the Bandit. By the way, did you see, speaking of Smokey and the Bandit and Dukes of Hazard, did you see uh, the wreck in Georgia last week where the there was a tow truck with the ramp down. Yeah. Did you see this, Lee? I'll have did to show not. you the audio. No, and this this that. woman who was like a 21-year-old uh, Florida woman was driving down the interstate. Um, and she the, the, t- the, the tow truck was kind of on the shoulder. She went flying up the ramp and went like 120 feet. Uh, she's, she was seriously injured. She had to be sent to the hospital. But there was a wreck on the other side of the interstate. And so while the cops were there working that wreck, the cops' body cam caught the whole thing on video. It's absolutely – it's insane. It's basically Hazard County. I'm binging Fall Guy. Every episode has him flying through the air in his truck. This is real life, Lee. I don't, I don't, I don't want to break the news. Don't want to break your heart. That was staged. There of were stunt was. doubles. What? Obviously Whatever. it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's as real it's, as wrestling, right, so, man. So what happened to the uh, young lady? Is she okay? She's in the hospital. Uh, she survived, but could you? I mean, we like take eat your heart out, Dominic Toretta. That was crazy. Yeah, that was some real life Fast and Furious stuff right there. Tight wants to know if you're happy now. He did Full Metal Jacket crossover with Barbie. Is that random enough for you? Yeah, that's we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. Deliverance and Rambo. What about like? Um, Top Gun and Independence Day. What about Top Gun mixed with, like, don't mess with the Zohan? Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. You gotta get some Adam Sandler up in there, right? 
Waterboy meets Any Given Sunday. Like Al Pacino. Waterboy meets. Will you uh, go that extra inch? Uh, Go, 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 coach. (laughs) I I, I, I go that inch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, one final segment. We'll continue. Waterboy and Remember the Titans. Yeah. We will do up downs until blue is no longer tired. <laughs> I got co- coach, I, I get the water. <laughs> water is for the weak. Water is for getting blood on my jersey, and you don't get blood on my jersey. Co- co- coach, I, 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 got, I, I got the high quality H2O. Wait, Lee's, Lee's looking at me like. At the end of Remember the Titans, I haven't seen that movie in a, in a while. One of the kids gets really injured, right? Sunshine. No, Sunshine comes in for the rev. There was for a, rev. There was an accident, a car accident. Somebody got Oh, hurt. yeah, that. That's oh, right. you mean the off the field accident? Yeah. 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 Uh, and Bertier. Uh, and everyone goes and like. Sup- goes see, because I know. Is it, is it the water boy where they all go to the hospital and they're. Yeah, for mama. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Mama had the brain pain so for they're a while. Simil- <laughs> yeah, she had that. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That brain pain. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all for coming. Mama needs a rest now. Oh, we suck again. <laughs> All right, one final <laughs> segment. The opening kickoff right here on the sports station WNSP. Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP. One final segment of the week. You guys can jump in at 694-1055. The, uh, the conversation about crossovers got really dark there for a second off the air. Uh, now someone says uh, Linda Blair from the Exodus versus Freddy Krueger. Just have not, a... Not different enough. Even so, I think even Freddy Krueger would be like, yo, this, this girl's nuts. Uh, Lee, what are we going to do Monday, man? I guess we'll talk some NBA. We'll do some NBA. We'll actually uh, keep everybody posted on the NCAA baseball region. Oh, yeah. We've got 10, 10 SEC uh, baseball teams, of which eight are hosting. Now, they won't all be done by Monday. We'll actually be previewing some of the games. Of the 10, how many do you think will advance to the Super Regionals? 10 SEC schools, eight are hosting. I'm going to say seven to the Super Regional, which may be a little bit high. Maybe six, but I'll go seven. What do you think, Nick? Uh, Between uh, one and what again? Ten. How many are advancing? I'm going to say six. I was going to say six. Damn it. He's trying to be like me. Eight. So you got eight hosting. You got to figure at least half of them are going to win out. You got Auburn and Alabama playing today. Well, all of them are playing today. The one that's intriguing to me is LSU hosting Tulane with 19 wins and what, about 40 losses? Yeah, I have a feeling that's going to be a route. Right. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll talk about that. 
Alabama's going to have a tough time getting to the uh, college, uh, this Super Bowl World Series finale. They lost yesterday, so they have to come through the elimination round now and win every game. Can't afford to lose another. They play Stanford today, so we'll follow up on that. And we may even throw in some more on the SEC uh, spring meetings. I've talked to Brandon Marcello about because he's actually the first one. You're you just you're addicted to this these these SEC spring storylines, man. Well, that's what they paid me for. Is it? Yeah, I mean it. That's boatload of money. Well, to what go are down they there. paying me for? I don't know what they're paying you for, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of money spent going down to Sandestin. It wasn't cheap. But it's not. It doesn't mean that you have to talk about specific things. You could talk about. You could have talked about crossovers. What? what uh, yeah, or what Nick Saban was drinking. I don't ever see him drinking. All I see him is with his cell phone to his ear. I don't know if he's talking to anybody, but uh, that's the only time I ever see him. Okay. Nick's not the type that stops and says hello. Whereas others do. You'll see coaches, athletic directors, hi, how are you? How you doing? He doesn't do that. You know, in North Korea, they really look up to Kim Jong-un. And he's like this larger-than-life figure, and they don't think that he ever drinks or eats or poops. I want... <laughs> <it's too laughs> <sad. What>? <laughs> <laughs> Just when you said that, it made me uh, think that maybe that's how people view Nick Saban in a way. Well, well, we know he does larger than life. We know he does the latter because every year we hear about how his people block off the bathroom That's so he true. can go in by himself. They don't want anybody in the hotel lobby bathroom when Saban goes in. So ha, he that, does. Well, do of course, that. they don't want anyone in there to that see happen him with me. Not I, using the restroom. I tried to it's get in there one rooms. time and they had it blocked off. This happened a couple of years ago. So keep that in mind, Nick. If you make it up to Nashville, yeah, that'll be my first question for him. My first question would be... Why ain't the restroom public in a public restroom when you go in, Nick? I've often wondered, as he walks around outside of meetings, he's, as I said, he's always got the cell phone. I'm, I would ask him, are you actually talking to anybody or you just do that so nobody will bother you? That would be, be the first, first two yes. questions. Yep. Are you really always on the phone and are you really pooping when you're in there in the bathroom by yourself? <laughs> well, that should make it for a very tantalizing interview. It would go viral. Isn't that what we're looking for? I mean, you'd get clicks. I bet Mark would write an article about it. I would. I would. <laughs> do it, and I will, I will do it. That's a bet. Who dares? Who dares Nick Wiggins to do it? We're talking about this all next week. All right. On behalf of everybody here at WNSP, have a great weekend. We're back Monday at 6. Until then, see ya.